Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When the red, red robin comes bob, bob, bobbing along, along, there'll be no more sobbing when he stops robbing his home. Sweet song. Welcome to Chapman Live, recorded this evening here at the Player of the Year dinner at the Valley. It's been a very, uh, very difficult season here in SC7, but tonight's fan-led event will go ahead nonetheless, and we will find out who will be crowned Charlton's Player of the Year for 2015 and 16. Joining me here in Crossbars this evening, Terry Smith. How are you doing, Terry? Good evening, Louis. Everything I'm bringing on fine. Cheers. Excellent stuff. And joining us is uh, is Lewis Cat. How's it going, Lewis? Good Louis. I'm good, mate. You? Yeah. Looking forward to the evening. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see on that. On tonight, he was convinced. Didn't yeah, <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a strange situation, I guess, to be having a, a, the Player of the Year dinner after such a, a disappointing season. But it's something that the fans have always led, and and, and it goes ahead, and, and it is normally a, a fun evening. At least. And, and that's what's important. I think um, there were a lot of uh, maybe questions being asked as to whether the event should go ahead, whether whether <laughs> whether anybody deserved the Player of the Year. I suppose is another question. But uh, as you say, it's it's a fan-led event, and uh, I think it would be a, a, a huge shame if uh, if we could continue that uh, uh, you know that process of, of the fans picking their player of the year regardless really of, of what happens exactly so on the, on tonight's show we're going to look back at yesterday's win over Leeds remind ourselves of an important day in the club's existence uh, 10 years ago uh, then we're going to hear the uh, the player of the year presentation players are going to come over to us and give us uh, some exclusive interviews throughout the evening which we're we're looking forward to do that every year just a, a quick apology we can't we can't go out live tonight unfortunately 
uh, we've moved our studio upstairs here to Crossbar, so we, we haven't got the, the capability to go out live, but we're going to get this uh, podcast out for you this evening. Uh, and hopefully you can relive what's hopefully going to be a, a fun evening here at the Valley. But, uh, right, a, a fun afternoon yesterday in, in Yorkshire, tell Yeah, it was, yes. It was, um, it was a, uh, a good performance, a very good performance, in fact. Two, two quality goals. And I think, for the most part, we deserved it. I think after we um, uh, scored the second, maybe for uh, most of that second half, we sat very deep uh, and allowed Leeds to come at, come at us. And their goal wasn't an entire surprise, I've got to be honest. And then we hung on, like grim death, pretty much. I, th- I thought we actually felt pretty comfortable for a spell leading up. Like they were putting us under pressure, but we, we seemed to be holding them off quite well and looking quite dangerous on the break. But then, I guess, when that, that, that old uh, set-piece problem <laughs> rears its head again and, and we conceded a goal, and then it was a bit nervy for the last 20 minutes or so. But well, one of the key stats, I mean, I wouldn't say ignore the, 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 the shots on target, shots off target thing, because a lot of uh, Leeds' efforts were quite speculative, uh, certainly up to their goal. Um, they were going all over the place. But one important stat is the amount of saves Nick Pope actually did make, either with his feet or a couple of really good ones. There was one with his head, which, uh, which he talked about in the interview, which, uh, which could, have, uh, could have seen him decapitated at one point, which was very brave. Uh, so regardless of the fact that I think, yeah, we were, I wouldn't say in control, it's probably a bit over the top, but uh, we played well. We, I thought we played better than Leeds. We looked more dangerous than Leeds going forward. But it still needed Nick Pope to make what? What would you say? You were there four, five, four, really five. A- excellent. So excellent so people are picking him out for for the man of the match. Yes, yeah. and we were we we we'll hear from him slightly later on in the show. But yeah, I mean, I mean, he's, he's he set the tone for for his personal performance with that saving in the third minute from from Luke Murphy when he went through one on one. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, I mean, he was saving with his feet, with his head, with his hands, anything that he, he could get in the way. He did. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll have a we'll have a big discussion, I think, about Popey as we as we move on throughout the show to, to towards his interview. But um, one one name on the team. Is Sheet that uh, Charlton fans have been wishing was available all season yesterday. Ahmed Kashi came back in uh, and proved how much of a big oh. miss he's been for us. It was a double-edged sword watching Ahmed Kashi out there because uh, you just thought, oh why? You know, three, four weeks earlier could have made such a difference. Mm. Now if he'd have been playing, uh, say four, four weeks earlier, then <coughs> I wouldn't say we'd necessarily have, uh, have clawed our way out of it. You know, if he'd have been available all season, we wouldn't be in the position we're in now. And, and actually, there's a, a discussion on Charlton Life after last week's show uh, whether or not. Um, and forgive me, I can't remember the name, but um, you know, there was a disagreement. We said, I think, that we were a couple of players short of being a mid-table side, possibly. Um, and I think, you know, you know, trying to explain our own stupidity. But um, I think what we were trying to get at, or me certainly, was um, that if you include Cashy, if you include Bauer. Into the to the squad that we've got now, or into the side that we've got now, and then add two more, then I think uh, we're a completely different outfit. I yeah. mean, I'm not saying that um, it's a debatable one. To be fair, I mean we, we've played well and still lost. Yeah. That's the problem. It's, it's easy to get carried away with the fact that the last few weeks have been a bit better. Although, if you look, we yeah, no, before true. yesterday we hadn't won in five. Um, performances have improved, but we still had a week under belly at the back. I think conceding from set yeah, pieces that, and I that's think fair. You not taking that, chances yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. So you can you can see both sides of it. Absolutely, I, I, I think that if we'd started off the season with the squad we had now, including Cashy and you know, fit throughout the whole season, I don't think we would have gone down. But I still think management-wise, we, we should have been prepared for an injury crisis. I mean, there's an injury. I mean, it, it was a large injury crisis, but plenty of teams have injury crises, and, and you're prepared for it. I think when you look at the difference that uh, Cashy made yesterday, it wasn't. So, it's, I wouldn't say it's a, you wouldn't necessarily call one player being injured a crisis, but and that's the, the I think the biggest point is is the frailty of the squad um, in terms of its quality rather than depth, because uh, when you you shouldn't really once you lose one player uh, or maybe two, if you include Dr in that as well, three, then you shouldn't really be that dependent on 
those, that number of players to be to make that such a difference. Yeah, it's something you do have to look back on, isn't it? Because we we said straight away from from the start of the season that the squad was looking thin, and it's something that you you'd hope would have been picked up on, but never was. And you know that is that's the reason we've struggled so much because the players that we lost we, we lost the crucial players. I mean, there's there's two of the spine there, just Cashy and Bauer. I know we lost Bauer later on in the season, but. That was December, wasn't it? We lost, we lost Bauer against Burnley, and he's not not featured since. And that's yeah, it's it's the way to look at it. We lost we lost two really important players for a very long time. Well, DR as well earlier on the season as well. We lost yeah, in, DR, in patches. Course, yeah. As the, uh, the the game continued, um, I think Leeds started to perhaps have, have a few more chances than we did. Um, we had a couple of early shots. Um, Lookman hit, uh, hit a free kick just wide. Then Leeds started to. Not, not take control, sir, but looked looked a bit more dangerous than us. And sort of out of nothing, towards the end of the half, we sort of started to turn around yeah, and yeah, hit the post midway through, but then um, that, that move that, that came, led to the opening goal. I thought we looked dangerous in the first opening 15 minutes or so. Uh, and, and I think you're right. Well, I think we scored at a time when Leeds were probably on top of us. So yeah. we, we sort of scored against the run of play, if you like. But on balance, up to that point, I thought we just shaded it. Uh, and then I thought, again, we looked better after the goal. Uh, up to the run up to half time um, and uh, I, th- I think more importantly we did look dangerous going forward I mean, it, almost like Brighton I suppose not quite as potent but when we played Brighton we went 2-0 up quite quickly it was a similar sort of thing I wouldn't say we necessarily played on the break all the time but we did look dangerous yeah and the uh, the goal came down the left hand side it was a, a great assist from Morgan Fox I know there's, there's always question marks over, over Morgan from, from, from fans and but I think he's sort of settled down again in the last few weeks I think QPR was a really good performance and he's, he's carried that on really since then it was a great low ball um, his crossing hasn't always been 100% this, uh, this season if we're being honest and uh, uh, Johan there at the near post Johan's getting back into in the goals towards the end of the season I think it had to be a low ball when you consider who he was aiming at which was uh, and I think Johan because uh, Adam Ola had come out and was uh, assisted in the build up to the to the to the goal as did Johnny Jackson so there was pretty much nobody in the middle other than um Johan Bergmanson so it had to be a low ball because you're not expecting Johan to dive in and get his head to the ball are you so it had to be a pinpoint cross it had to be low and it uh, and it was perfect and he he met it full on on the run Keeper stood no chance. It was a, it was a lovely goal, lovely yeah. build up, lovely finish. Yeah, and as you say, I think after after we took that lead, we actually had a fair few mm-hmm. chances. I mean, Eagle had a shot blocked within the box, a couple of corners after that, and we actually played with a bit of intent towards the, towards the end of that first half. We <coughs> we um, we looked um, a, a much different side. It's just you know, and and I'm getting a bit fed up, I suppose, with how many because uh, Steve Evans came into the press conference afterwards and said. Uh, you know, people were. I wouldn't say naturally having a go because surprisingly, he got some great backing from the, the, both the fans and the, and the press. I don't know if they're scared of him or what. I don't know, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, which surprised me a little bit. But that's you know that's fair enough. But um, I don't know whether he uh, he said it because he was trying to be defensive. As you know, we just haven't lost to a relegated side. We've lost to a side that's actually better than they sh- than they are. And, and he said again. And how many managers is that in the last what yeah, four yeah, or five that's weeks? A very long list now, that said, how, "How are they relegated? Because they're, they're they're a much better side than that." Well, see, the the issue is that it has only been the last six. Seven well, that, yeah, I suppose that's true. Yeah. Throughout the season, I'm sure there's plenty of managers saying, "How are these? How is this team even yeah, a championship not. team at <laughs> points during that?" The managers around Christmas probably wouldn't have said it. Yeah. yeah <laughs> no, uh, the second half starts, and uh, not not long into it, we we get that second goal. I mean, Adam O'Lutman, he had he had the freedom of, of Yorkshire. <laughs> to, uh, well, yes or no? But um, I thought it was a, the, mo- the, the, the uh, build-up to the move was the thing for me. You had uh, Rod Fanny playing uh, at right back, which they, and there was a few eyebrows raised when the team selection and the team sheet came out. You think, oh, is that the right move? Uh, he had another 
very good game, Rod Fanny, I thought. An, uh, an excellent game. And um, he had to go back and defend in that bottom right-hand corner. Uh, he won the ball, and then on the build-up, on the way back out, he, uh, he nutmegged, I don't know if it was Mowit or uh, Murphy, I can't remember, who he nutmegged on the sideline to, to start the move going. I enjoyed the nutmeg. Yeah, and then he, he fed, um, was he fed Yoen, I think, in front of him, and then, uh, or was it Callum, and then sweeping ball across to that left-hand side. No, it must have been Callum, into, into the path of Yoen. He feeds uh, Adamola, and he, he fainted to shoot two or three times before he actually then did. Mm. He got, he got to a point, I think, after the first one, though, he made so much space for himself, yep. and, and the Leeds defence did stand off a bit. And I was thinking, after the first one, I was thinking, if he doesn't score here, then he's actually done quite badly, because they've given him so much space. But he, he, he ducked another couple of times yep. before he got that perfect line. Right into the bottom uh, corner, Silvestri had, had absolutely no chance, and, and a, great, a great finish. I was wondering afterwards, and we had a conversation afterwards, actually, that um, I can't remember who with, but we did, uh, that I wonder if the Leeds players, because he was playing on the left, actually thought he was left-footed. So they were trying to cover that left foot and left him all on his own to, with the right foot you'd, you'd, and wide you'd, open. You'd think, though, that the Leeds players, or at least the Leeds coaching staff, would have done a bit more homework on one of the, the brightest prospects in, point, <laughs> in English yeah. football this I'm moment in time. I'm glad they didn't, because um, it, it was a sweet finish. Yeah, hoping we'll be able to hear from him later in the show. I mean, he's, he's got to be the, the favourite for the, for the young player of the year. I'm not in his favourite. Is there anybody else in it? I don't, <laughs> anybody, I don't know. Is there, is there, half our squad's quite young. Well, good point. I yeah. suppose, you can't see anybody past no. Adam Ola for the young player, can you? Yeah, no. I mean, since, since he came into the, into the team, he's, he's been an absolute revelation. Really, yeah, he's, he's just been fantastic, isn't he? And it's, it's not easy... Uh, it's not an easy season for him to do it, uh, to be young and to have what's been going on all season going on behind him. But I think he's really got his head down and he's really worked hard. And that that speaks, you know, that speaks for why he's won the, the award he did the other week, and that yeah. speaks as to why we think so highly of him here. And he's going to be a really fantastic player yeah. as he develops. And it's exciting that we get to see him now, hopefully for a lot longer. Yeah, he might just be one of the stars of the Premier League that we get, we get to, yes. uh, to, to, look, to look forward to this year. Right, let's say uh, after after yesterday's game, Terry Smith and myself, uh, we caught up with Jose. So let's have a quick listen to what Jose had to say after yesterday's two-one uh, uh, victory up at Leeds United. Jose, it's a lovely feeling to come away with uh, with a victory up at Ellen Road. Yeah, of course, of course. Uh, that's what I, I said to the player before before. For the game, you know, it can happen a lot of things, different situations, abnormal situations inside the club. But at the end, the place where they can be visible, where they can show what they 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 can do, what what the team uh, can give the best answer is still the pitch. And from the off, uh, we started playing some control football, some uh, nice work even before the goal. Uh, hit the post, Lugman uh, with a free kick that was close as well. So the goal looked like it was coming. Yeah, you're true, you're true. I think that the first uh, maybe 10, 15 minutes, um, it's quite normal that Leeds has some reaction during this first half. But mainly we had this first half under control and with, with uh, yeah, a good possession and, and some possibilities. So I repeat, they did very well. They came in the game much better, of course, than the last week, for sure. And yeah, they did very well again. The team did get good result. Leeds was in a good momentum, so it wasn't so easy. Um, after that, it's quite normal. The second half, we, we score again. And the last few minutes, of course, they have to try something. We can sit again on set pieces. I, I say it before you say yourself, uh, which is not a good thing. The only w- bad thing in this game. For the rest, Nikki, of course, did very well in some occasion. But uh, it's even more easy for a goalkeeper to be to be effective when all the team wants the same, and that's what we have shown today. 
it's no coincidence, or a lot of people will look and say, no coincidence, um, Akamakashi back in the side, giving a, a measure of control, and we seem to be a, a lot more of a fluent outfit with, with Kashi back in there. Yeah, sure, but I think it's not the first time that we have, I, let's say, a good game in terms of quality, but we know also the quality of Kashi, but uh, this game is not only Kashi. I'm pleased with the fact that, of course, he is back on, 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 on a pitch, and for his first game, he did very well. But he was working hard to be able to to have this kind of performance. But uh, I think it's all the team again uh, did very well. And uh, as you said, uh, I think that Kashi can help us to have the control of the game. He offer us possibilities. I'm also happy that Jacko uh, is part of a win for the team. So many many points of satisfaction. You mentioned Nick Pope there, <coughs> um, and. Uh some crucial saves uh, at 2-0 before they got there, even before they yeah, got the, the one yeah. back to, to keep us in the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, again, I think that uh, the other players trust Poppy. Uh, we can see it, the four-backs. And, and Poppy, of course, is, is growing. And we see a lot, a lot of confidence. And he's doing well, not only because he has some good saves, but even... Uh, when when he delivers uh, with his hand, with his feet, so he feels more comfortable. And I repeat, when you got the good feeling that all the team wants the same, it's more easy for a goalkeeper to be where he has to be. On a personal level and, and a general level, how frustrating is it when you consider that uh, today we had Cousins out, we had uh, No Soli, Motta on the bench, uh, so you're able to, to change things around if only you had that flexibility a lot sooner? Uh, for sure, for sure. Uh, if we had this idea of, of playing and, and of course uh, having more possibilities, as you mentioned, uh, it would be more easy and certainly <laughs> we, we were not in this situation. But I know that it's uh, the story for all this year. So we have to look why, what are the reasons, because I think that's a key point, the number player in job. And uh, we have, of course, some explanation and, and yeah, be able to, to avoid this kind of, of mistakes for, for the next season and the other one also. Well, of course, it doesn't affect last season, this season, but uh, congratulations on a little bit of pride back in there. For me, a game is a game. And as you said, even in our situation, I think um, the merit is even bigger in this situation because you can see also that the player have only in head uh, Season is finished, we have nothing to win or to lose anymore. But they show, and I think that's, that's the thing they have to do. Because all what they can give back to the club, to the fans, and I speak again about the fans who made a long trip to support us, um, they have to give, they have to give. And yeah, I'm very pleased with this performance. Yeah, you mentioned how the the end of season games it's still important for the players to continue to show what they can do. For you yourself, I guess you're, with your future still up in the air, is it important that you you end on, on a, try and end on a high? What's been a difficult spell? Yeah, of course, of course. It, I mean, my story is also the story of the players, the story of the club. So, yes, of course, it's important for me. But I, I think that uh, in the previous game we we show already what we were able to do and what we were able to do together. But um, if it can be reinforced, it's a good thing, of course. Charlton Live. Welcome back to Charlton Live. That was Joe Zoriga after yesterday's uh, wonderful 2-1 uh, win up at Ellen Road. Uh, too little, too late was, uh, <laughs> was uh, the, the, the phrase that was made for, for yesterday's win. But a, win, a win's a win. Um, we asked, I asked Joe there towards, towards the end of the interview uh, about 
if he feels like he's sort of playing for his own future in, in the last couple of games and I guess you could say he is we don't know what his future is at this moment in time I don't, I don't know whether or not he already knows it's, it's difficult <coughs> excuse me it's a difficult one to, to, to grasp because you don't you don't know whether he actually already knows and he's just playing the season out or he does know um, and I, I'm trying to guess from his body language and his tone if, but it's <laughs> difficult to, to know yeah. the only thing I picked up on after we interviewed him at Bolton and I first asked him that, are you going to be in he, he seemed actually quite upset at the question and he seems a bit calmer now so I mean, I mean this, this is just me doing some very basic body language reading <laughs> but you know that, that's, the, that's the way I've got it or he's just sort of taking the pressure off himself until the end of the season perhaps when, when he'll find out Maybe you'd think that decision or that discussion should have already been made at some point, wouldn't you? I don't know. Uh, because if we were still battling and still trying to uh, save our championship status, you could sort of understand where the conversation wouldn't have taken place. Mm. But as soon as we were relegated, surely that conversation had to have yeah. taken place, hadn't it? It's just, I mean, you just, never know, just, do you? Just me with Roland's knack of sacking managers <laughs> after. 10-15 game runs I'd, I'd just be shocked that if you've brought someone in to avoid relegation and he hasn't avoided relegation I think I think he'd, he'd get sacked I mean for you Lewis would, you know, from, from a personal point of view would you keep him on for next season? Um, I would personally because he's I mean look who are we going to replace him with under this regime you know he's the best of what we've had uh, the club needs some stability it would be it would be nice to keep him on. I'd like to see what he could do with the, with the summer transfer window to himself. But even then, I mean, we, we, when we've asked him about it, he talks about context, the context of what it's going to be like. This needs, and we need to have conversations. I think he's talking about transfer policy, how who's going to pick the players. And I think, you know, we think he, he, he clearly picked Teixeira as a player he knew to come in. But did, you know, did he pick the other ones? Who knows? Will, will he be given the free reign to pick his own players in the summer? I mean, that's that's important for for a manager. But at the same time, Jose is a head coach, and their head coaches are used to not having this. I think it's. <clears throat> I think it's exactly that. I think because he keeps saying that um, we've got to have a discussion because I need to know what direction the, ch- the club are going in. In other words, is he going to be able to, as you say, control his own transfer policy, bring his own players in, bring his own staff in, do what he wants? Uh, <clears throat> and if he's told no, then does he want the job? Does he want the grief? Does he want to, to have to put up with it? Yeah. I mean, uh, it's w- w- if if everything stays as is, then I think what uh, Lewis said about Jose Riga is the best of, of what we've had in, in, in the current regime then you'd want Jose Riga to stay unless there's a seismic shift in policy which, th- which would then bring in uh, um, a, a, you know, a, a different manager for, out, outside the network different players outside the network you know, that the manager can pick by himself instead of from a, uh, a scout or from a, a network it, it, but that's going to take a, a, a huge shift from what we've had so far so um, you, you wouldn't expect it necessarily you can't see it I mean no. it's, it's two years down the line and there's, yep. there's never been any change despite the fact that things have been going badly for those two years so you, you'd well, be surprised well this is as bad as it gets well <laughs> up to now anyway <laughs> <laughs> this time next year you'll be saying the same <laughs> thing <yeah. laughs> we have to have the player of the year dinner in like a tent somewhere yeah. <laughs> in a phone box <laughs> yeah um, uh, after yesterday's game uh, we caught up with Nick Pope <coughs> as well he um uh, we'll, we'll hopefully hear from him later on tonight uh, during the show for a more general thing. But um, uh, let's hear what, what Nick Pope had to say after yesterday's uh, victory over Leeds, where he was, uh, I think, mine and Terry's man of the match. Nick, double celebration, uh, a fantastic win, but uh, an equally a, a great performance from yourself. Yeah, obviously, really happy with the win. I thought like, lads played really well and deserved deserved the win today. So, yeah, it was really pleasing from our point of view. You um, uh, had to come and, uh, and, and save it. 
uh, several crucial saves, not least that one near the end where you had to tip it around before it went in the top corner. Um, which pleases you more, the, the sort of mundane out with your feet or, uh, or the spectacular stuff stop again in the top corner? <laughs> I think the header was my favourite one, to be honest. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll say that one was my favourite. Uh, <laughs> you spotted that early because um, I think it was Wood who would have been clearing on goal if you hadn't come out of your penalty area and, uh, and got that with your head. Um, how has it changed your, uh, the way you sit in front of you but, uh, with the back four? You seemed a lot more confident in the last few weeks, certainly. Uh, yeah, I've got a good relationship with the back four. Obviously, we set our line, and obviously, if I think I can go and help them out, and obviously, if that helps us keep a higher line, then I think that's good for a team. So, I came over the top, like made a decision for comfort, and uh, yeah, just got me got me noggin on it before he uh, scraped my fate off. It's uh, good. Um, it also seemed that uh, there was a, an instruction as soon as you got the ball to look instantly to, to see if you could release either Adamola or Callum on the right or whoever yeah. to try and break away quickly. Was that an instruction? Yeah, definitely. Obviously. Uh, Away from home, like counter attacks are a big thing. Like for us, with the amount of pace we've got on the team, like Callum, Adamola, like Johan, Eagle, all the like front four that we've got, like we've got like great pace. So um, yeah, they they give us a great option, a great option for me and also for the team when we win the ball back on the uh, on the transition. From a personal point of view, again, um, having been on the on, on the sidelines uh, for a good long while, it must be great to have a, an extended run in the first team and play as well as you are. Yeah, obviously, it's all nice. To, always nice to play games. That's one thing. I think you probably always realise more when you're not playing is how, how good it is to play. So, yeah, obviously, delighted to uh, play these last few games uh, and like, finish the season. Congratulations on the win. What's that? Congratulations on the win. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, Nick, um, coming back to the header, I saw Charlton fans who were here on Twitter likening you to Manuel Neuer after coming out. <laughs> what would you make of that? Uh, no, I think he's a bit more outrageous than me. So, um, no, I'm not too sure. But, yeah, it's just something he likes to do a lot. And I say, like... It's just part of helping the team out and uh, like coming for the crosses or making saves. It's just part of my job. So, um, yeah, just happy to do it. And Nick, um, how frustrating is it kind of for you, as you have watched most of it in the season, you know, on the bench or whatever, seeing the team play so well now, why do you think they could have done that earlier on in the season? Um, it's probably quite difficult to put a finger on it, um, to be honest. But obviously the, the team's probably quite a lot different, actually, from the start. But, you know, we lost, we lost some crucial players at crucial times and... Uh, just a lot of little things. I can't. I don't even put your finger on one thing that affected us. So it's just yeah, a few things, and obviously that, that does make it disappointing because we know we've got a good enough squad here. We we had a good enough squad here to stay up, but that's just not the way it went. With Stephen Henderson, you have played extremely well in goal. Would you like to be here next season in League One at Charlton? Yeah, of course. Obviously, like I'm contracted for another two years. I'm a Charlton player. I'm not looking to uh, to move. So yeah, definitely. Charlton live. So welcome back to Charlton Live here uh, from the Player of the Year dinner. We just heard uh, Nicky Pope talking after his uh, Man of the Match performance yesterday uh, up at Leeds United. Now, Popey's a man who um, I'm, I'm not afraid to say that I criticised quite heavily early on during the season. Uh, and I think we saw we saw mistakes against Hull. We saw it against um, uh, against Fulham as well. The similar mistakes where he was dropping low shots. And that's something that you know, frustrated me at the time. But And uh, you've got to put your hands up to say that since he's come back in for Henderson, he's been an absolute revelation. Yeah, I mean, I'm completely with you on that one. I um, was, again, one of the first people to criticise him, uh, not even just this season, but last season. I thought that maybe he was, as a keeper in terms of development, he wasn't making the step up that I thought he would make. And I thought that he was sort of sitting stagnant at a certain uh, quality. But he's, he's come in uh, and he's just been fantastic from the off, like right? from this, the end, tail end of the season. Some of the performances, some of the saves he's made, 
fantastic I mean the, the double save against Derby oh, that completely sticks in my head one of the best saves I've seen from it's a childhood one, of the, best, in years one and years. of the best saves I've ever seen yeah. I, think. I, I think any goalkeeper would be proud of that save mm. um, I'm really happy for him because you can you can tell that he's he's really passionate about Charlton he's not had it easy and when he makes a mistake it hurts him and you can see it hurts him uh, and I'm it affects his confidence behind him. exactly yeah. but this, I, mean, I don't think I can't even remember seeing a dodgy kick since he's come back in in the second half of the season what, what do you think Tell could we, we can put that down to because you know you say he's coming to a he's coming to a really difficult situation obviously a team that's on the whole in disarray and, and getting relegated but he's, he's performed admirably in, in, that, in that second half of the season I mean, for me, I think even if you look, uh, you know, it, back at the squad numbers, for example, at the beginning of the season, uh, Nick Pope number thirty, Dimitar Mitov was number twenty-seven, and obviously Hendo was, uh, was was number one, I think, wasn't he? And so, you know, even him looking at the squad, thinking I'm third choice here. So when he then finally got uh, uh, thrown in at the deep end, if you like, and it's similar to when he's been done uh, thrown in before, much younger player, couple of things. One. Uh, he comes into a side that isn't playing that well anyway, and so the the nerves are there, uh, the the mistrust between the, the defence and the goalkeeper and the goalkeeper and the defence is there. So you know he needed to grow into the part, if you like, I think. And uh, second time around or third time around, actually, even um, with slightly better players, when you got you know when you consider that now he's got Teixeira and uh, and Rod Fanny in front of him and Diara at times uh, with uh, Fox one side, I think playing better. You've got Chris Solly and or Motta yesterday it was Rod Fanny I think he's got a much more stable back four in front of him still a problem with set pieces clearly um, but generally speaking I think he's a lot more of a confident youngster than he was um, the first few times he, he appeared and all the better for it I oh mean, absolutely he's been outstanding the, the way he's played the way he performed yesterday we've already mentioned man of the match for us and there's just so many good saves and it just shows that so it's another one of those questions I mean last season people said Henderson was gonna, was the man who saved us he came back for that 3-0 win against Brentford last season we had a, a good end of the season this season we all hoped the same would happen when he came back and, and it, it simply didn't and yet um, Pope has managed to come in and, and perform you do wonder if uh, he's what 27 appearances this season if he'd have been in in the in the forties, then you you think it might be uh, him who's uh, who's the favourite for the player of the year uh, this time around. If he, if he, if he played like he if had he in the second, like I said at the start of the season. Well, yeah, for me, the, he was yeah. still making yeah. those mistakes. I remember picking out when we'd done the uh, the South End game in the pre-season. I remember saying he had an okay pre-season, nothing spectacular. I remember he let a goal through his legs away at South End. I remember saying right then, I said he's going to struggle this. He's going to struggle at the start of the season because he's a confidence player, and sure enough, he did. Um, so again, it's, it's to his credit that he managed to turn it around when he came back in. I think it's been, as I say, it's been exceptional. If he'd have, <coughs> let me rephrase that, then perhaps uh, if he'd have been, uh, if he'd have played the beginning or start of the season and played the way he's played in the last what, what you'd say, eight to ten games, yeah, uh, then he'd be player of the year or at least in the fr- in the running for player of the year. Yeah, yeah definitely, excellent stuff. Right. Um, Charlton's a special club, as we all know. Uh, the, one of the very best, the very best things about the club is our uh, community trust and Jason Morgan MBE. Although he doesn't like to, doesn't like to bash doesn't like brag. Yeah. the fact that he wears a chain round his neck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, he, he started, he started at twenty. Well, I now know twenty-four years ago. I thought it was nineteen. It was twenty-four years ago with his uh, his bag of balls, uh, and and the trust has blossomed into this incredible uh, asset that, that Charlton have. Um, and as a Charlton fan, you can wear you can wear the community pride on on, on your on your chest. You can be so proud of, of what they do, can't you? And oh, you know, when <laughs> in the season we've had, or in the last few seasons we've had, uh, it's just I'm just thankful that there's still something as part of this club you can really uh, boast about, if you like, <coughs> to say that um, you know we're more than just a club. Uh, it's an easy thing to say, but you know, very few clubs can actually um, display the sort of stuff that we do. 
off the field and in and around the community that we do, and yeah, it, you know, it just uh, just oozes pride every time we talk about them. Now, um, you're gonna you're gonna work out throughout the evening that the, the podcast is a bit mixed and matched together as we as we collect different interviews and stuff. But Jason was uh, was uh, uh, kind enough to come and speak to us about 10, 15 minutes ago. So let's uh, let's have a listen to what Jason Morgan had to say for another excellent year for the Charlton Athletic Community Trust. Delighted to be joined here at the Player of the Year dinner by Jason Morgan, the head of the uh, the Cheltenham Athletic Community Trust. Uh, Jason, it's been it's been another fantastic year for you guys. Yeah, really pleasing evening, gents. By the way, uh, yeah, no, uh, a, a great year, uh, really successful. Capped off by the Football League Awards a couple of weeks ago in Manchester, which we were hugely chuffed for winning. And then the Saturday was the Upbeats Walk, and uh, it's the third year we've done it. Third year, Terry. Yeah, third year. So. Hugely successful and a lot of money raised, so yeah, good year all in all. Yeah, that, uh, the, the community club award from the, from the football league. It's not, it's not the first time you've won it, but um, it, it shows just how well, as a club and as a trust, that you guys are recognised nationally. Yeah, it's the third one in eight years. So um, we won it in 2013 for uh, the youth service contract um, and the health contract from the council, um, and this year we retained them or recommissioned to run them which is quite a, a big achievement I always say you know to win it in the first place you can credit your bid writers and the work that you do but to actually recommission to run it means you're doing something right so we set out at the beginning of the year to to do that and to achieve that meant that we that's what we focused on within the application especially the, the health program um, and that's you know that's that's gone from strength to strength um, so that was a standout strand within the application this year there are so many different different strands that the the community trust gets involved with there's so many different areas that, that you try and help people with we um i mean we, we come down here on a on a thursday to do our podcast and we see your, your youth club in there and you go you say you've got your health stuff there's, there's all sorts of different things that you do yeah i think the percep- perception um is always been that you're you know you're football in the community it's that old school football in the community you know the coaching in schools and the holiday courses and the after schools activities but for us it's quite a diverse program that reaches far into Kent you know as you well know we've had programs abroad before um, so to sort of like amplify what we do around crime reduction and education and health not just the traditional football courses um, is quite pleasing so there's seven distinct strands and then underneath there there's about some said to me there's about 82 different programs so when you've got Bob Boulder doing beach soccer down in the coast in the summer, but then doing education programmes. Um, that's what's pleasing for me, that it's quite a diverse uh, delivery. Yeah. Now, you've been there since the very beginning. Um, is, it, is it 19 years now, something like that? You've been, been No, 24. 24, oh, 24. So it's not five years off. Um, I know, I've seen a lot. Yeah, it, 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 12. I know, I was yeah, 11, Terry, I was when I was <laughs> it, it must give you great pleasure to see um, how, how the, the trust has gone from strength to strength in that time. Well, my, I mean, I, I say it all the time, I mean, I've got such a, a lucky job, you know, because the, the, the staff that we've got and the retention of staff and how they move the programmes forward makes my job so much easier. Um, you know, they're the ones at the, at the coalface doing all this work and they're the ones that enable us to go and speak to the partners and the stakeholders and grow the programmes. You know, and it's one of the things that's, that's so important to me to acknowledge the work that they do. I mean, it's a big team. You know, I have a very 80 full-time staff. Then you've got your trustees and your ambassadors and your patrons and, 
commercial partners that as a charity we need and, and thankfully they come in and help us um, but you know when you've got a pool of 200 staff and, and, and 80 plus full-time staff it becomes quite a you know, a big programme and, and thankfully we've kept growing it over the years. Now one of the, the standout days in, in the Trust calendar over the last few years, as, as, as we've mentioned, is the, um, the, the Upbeats walk. We saw it here a, a couple of weeks ago. Terry um, got a bus halfway round, but he made it. Um, uh, 31 it was a cab, it was a cab just cab. for clarity. Yeah. I saw him getting out of here. Him and, da- him and Dave, I know it's Dave's not here today for me to challenge him on. A bus, a cab, uh, a golf cart, Yeah, everything, mate. Yeah. You weren't walking, I know. But, um, 31 grand raised this year, like double what you raised last year, and it's, it's something that the, the fan base always get behind and a really special day they, they've just taken the upbeats to heart uh, you know can I just officially thank everyone that A took part but B pledged money you know and the upbeats they're just a cracking bunch uh, of lads um, we've really supported parents the staff my staff that work on it are really dedicated and it's true you know uh, the money is needed to keep the programme going um, and the games they play in and the training that they have and the kit that they get and you know, and I know the, the Charlton Life guys do a lot. Um, and so, from me, just a, a big, big thank you um, for everyone's support this year. And, and to raise, you know, over thirty-one thousand when we set our target of twenty thousand is a huge achievement. Well, Jason, uh, thanks, thanks for coming to join us here on, on Charlton Life tonight. I think we, we owe you a debt of gratitude, eh, for letting us have a studio in your in your. In no, your you're welcome. You'll get uh, the bill. You're ready. <laughs> and B for um, just, just representing the club in such a fantastic light, and every single Charlton fan would like to uh, to thank you for that. No, thank you, guys. Enjoy tonight. Charlton Live. So there we had Jason Morgan, the uh, CEO of the uh, Charlton Athletic Community Trust. Uh, a real uh, a real honour to have him on the show. Uh, and, and great to hear from him but uh, right now 10 years ago on Friday uh, it was the, anniver- the, ten- the, the 10th anniversary of when we uh, s- uh, bid farewell to Anna Kerbyshire when we found out we were bidding farewell to Anna Kerbyshire I remember coming to, coming to the, the Valley on, on that day a game against Blackburn the, the last home game of the season uh, and uh, to only to be greeted by I think it was Richard Murray on the pitch uh, doing an announcement about 10-15 minutes before kickoff, yeah. saying that the, uh, the the long-standing manager w- would would be no more. And uh, do you just remember the sh- the shock of that day? Were you, were you here, Lewis? I uh, unfortunately I wasn't here that day. Uh, just like, I'm, I'm re- I've always been really gutted about. Um, but I, my friend uh, he was there and he, he he said it was a really horrible, uh, big shock. I don't think anyone saw it coming. Mm. Um, to an extent, obviously he, there were people that maybe thought the club wasn't progressing under him you know falling a little bit stagnant where we'd always struggle after Christmas but that's not stopped since he's gone <laughs> yeah. so, uh, <laughs> that's a good point um, I mean let's, yeah. uh, f- first things first let's listen to the audio of his uh, everyone re- will remember after the game he gave a really emotional speech uh, on, on the pitch now I, I hadn't heard that audio for 10 years I'd not heard it since I heard it live here I think Sky actually had issues recording it if I remember rightly but um, it, 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 it turned up somewhere and uh, Jessie Addick who's the Charlton uh, fan who lives out in China uh, she's on the forum she, she had a copy and she put it up on on the Charlton Life Forum the other day and I had to listen it was uh, it, it, bring, it brings a tear to your eye shall I say so let's have a listen to that now uh, 10 years ago on Friday uh, Alan Kerbishley bidding his farewell to the Charlton fans Manager last year in our 
Unfortunately, we were told about the situation 15 minutes before the game. I don't think it was the best preparation. I would like to stress the fact that uh, the meeting I had with Richard Murray has been very amicable. There's no sinister plot anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. I just felt that the club uh, needs uh, a little bit of a change of direction and I hope it works out. I think, from my point of view, I've enjoyed every minute of it and I think it's the right time for everybody. I wish everybody the greatest of success and I'd like to come back one day and watch a game. Thank you. Thanks again. Thank you very much. So there we heard uh, Alan Curvishley's uh, very emotional um, leaving speech, his farewell speech here on the Valley pitch, and uh, something quite um, poignant. He says at the end, at the, towards the end of the interview, he says, "We're a big club now. Don't forget that we're a big club now." <laughs> what happened? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> uh, well, the wheels fell off big style, didn't they? Uh, it, it was almost, I think, um, the only thing I can liken it to, I suppose, for me, was uh, when back in 1985 we got that bit of paper shoved in around as we came through the turnstile to say next you know the next home game would be the last one at the valley it was the same sort of uh, gut feeling where you think it was something that you could never think would happen you know it, it purposely leaving was sort of unthinkable so yes I mean Lewis mentioned it before that there were a few voices I mean this nonsense about everybody you know a lot of fans wanting him out <coughs> I don't think it's correct but there were there were whether we like to <coughs> admit it or not there were dissenting voices to say, well, has he taken us as far as he can? Not actually saying he's got to go. No, there was none of that. But there are a few grumbles to say, well, you know, are we satisfied with mid-table? <laughs> mm. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so there were a few. But like mostly, most things like that, they were the quite a vocal minority. minority yeah. um, uh, they did exist, but not, not in any great numbers at all. Uh, and it was just a case of you thought, you know, this, this almost like marriage between Kirby and Charlton was going to go on forever you couldn't see it ever change well I think at, at that time he, he'd been the only manager I'd known in my entire Cholton supporting career and he was, he was here for what 15 years and I think 14 of those that I, I was watching Cholton I, I, I did not know what, what would come next and wish I did well, as, it, as it turned I, out I, I would have knocked, knocked, knocked it on the head <laughs> um, you, you hear the, the sound of the crowd at the start of that interview you just don't hear that sort of noise no. at the valley these days and it, do, I mean, it, sh- it does show how appreciative, uh, appreciative the Cholton fans were of him and I mean I remember that game so well towards the end of it we were goal down at the time and started stand up for Alan Kirby. I've never seen an entire ground stand up in unison like that ever apart from for stand up when if you want them out these days uh, but um, it was um, it was uh, it was including including the whole Charlton end the Blackburn end I remember seeing Mark Hughes clapping for Alan Kirby as well and Blackburn scored during that uh, yeah. that applause and we carried on applauding because that's, that's uh, how much the man uh, meant to us I mean there's, there's already a manager who has the stand named after himself here um, and you, if we were ever to, to do it again I mean surely Alan Kovacy would be the top of the list for that well we were funnily enough we, we, you know, I was talking to this uh, about the stand issue and naming stands um, a little while ago and um, 
you know, obviously, you know, you look at who's still around the club, and uh, we're, we're cutting our voices a little bit because they're about to make announcements. But uh, uh, and Kerbsley's got to be up there. Uh, if Jimmy Seed was up there, uh, if Sam Bartram's up there, you think of Keith Peacock possibly, yeah. and then you think of Alan Kerbsley. Well, I've got a very slight in- interlude there as the players came in. We're, we're back here. We were talking about um, Alan Kerbishley naming a stand after him, that sort of thing. Um, you look at the, the ten years that have passed now, Lewis, and <laughs> can, can you put your finger on where did you think Kerbishley leaving was the thing that, that has started us on this decline that we're I think, in? I think it's the same in any, in any club as to where, I mean, looking at a more recent example, you look at uh, Fergie leaving Manchester United. They've never... They've never reached the heights of him since you know they had David Moyes. He's gone. They've got Rangal. Is he going to stick around? I don't know. I think some clubs are affected differently, and I think because of the, the pure amount of time Kerbs was here and the fantastic job he did and the impact he had on everybody, not just the teams but any player that came here, had nothing but good to say about him. I think it really impacted on this club, and I mean evidently it has. I mean look at where we are now. Yeah. And I mean that's the. The Charlton that I fell in love with, the, first, the Charlton that I came to first, was Kerbs' Charlton. Yeah. You know, coming along and seeing players like you know, Shawnee Bartlett, or seeing Jonathan Johansson try and pull off ridiculous overhead kicks at an opportunity. <laughs> but that's the Charlton I fell in love with, and that's why it's really sad now to yeah. see where we are ten years later. Do, do you think the the choice the choice of manager afterwards was, was just is it obviously Kerbsy leaving on his own could have been. It, it couldn't. It might not have been the, catro- the, the, the catastrophe that it was if we'd made a better choice after it. You know, hindsight, obviously. But if, if we had, well, yeah. I think preparation for it, is, it, it was the problem, and we weren't. I think uh, when when any manager I would have said, and, and Lewis touched on Ferguson and Manchester United are going through <coughs> not a similar thing because you know they haven't plummeted like a stone lot we did, but um, they still didn't prepare properly for it. Liverpool didn't. When you consider um, you know the boot room that Liverpool had. And then, uh, then they panicked a little bit when that sort of bootman philosophy almost fell apart. And they, I mean, Sooners came in because of his name and almost single-handedly ruined Liverpool for a decade, you know. And, um, and then we had the same, you know, Kerbishley was here, he was so entrenched in Charlton and, and what we were about and who we were. Uh, when, for whatever reason, um, he, he decided that was enough, then they should have been put in place a, a plan I don't know, you could pick names like that, Steve Brown, maybe, who was, was looking to finish his career. Get him in early, Kinsella, get him in early, learn from Kerbishley properly, as I think Chrissy Powell did. Learn from Kerbishley, learn what's good about Alan Kerbishley and what makes him tick and what makes uh, makes him such a good manager. Specifically for Charlton as well. Yeah, and then the change what, what makes wouldn't have been so seamless, maybe, yeah. but uh, or would have been seamless, I should say. As it was, we... Um, we went straight for a, uh, for, a, for a manager that I think that it was almost like a knee-jerk reaction in the end. It's, well, that's how it seemed, anyway. Now, we look, we look at that downward spiral that we got caught in. You know, we, uh, we went down to League One. And we had the disaster that was Alan Pardew in the Championship. We had Phil Parkinson, who, who couldn't arrest that slide. He, he got us into the playoffs, but, you know, fine lines in football, Nicky Bailey can't score a penalty. It means we're stuck in League One <laughs> for a couple of years. The money starts to run out. Um, it almost seems like we got Chrissy Powell in with the previous owners, and we were we were so so close to getting this club back onto onto the upward trajectory that we we needed it to be in, and then the money ran out again, and so we like we we could be sitting here yeah from four years ago if 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 the right person had come in four years ago or however long it was now two years ago. To, to continue that momentum we wouldn't be talking about a 10 year slump we'd be talking about a 5 or 6 year slump and we, we, we'd be out the other side of it now 
and I think you're right. I think, um, uh, and as I alluded to earlier, uh, um, Chris Powell had that uh, something about him that reminded you a little bit of, of Kerbishley in as much as that he brought in players that had to, that wanted to prove a point, both to themselves, to the to, to the footballing world, uh, and bought into the to, to the way he wanted the club run. Um, and that was a philosophy that Kerbishley used so well during his tenure here. Uh, and Chris Powell um, seemed to, 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 to be going along in that in that same vein. Uh, the problem was, um, we, uh, yeah, we uh, we we didn't have any anybody behind him to support that aim. And then, yeah, and uh, you, you can't talk about this club now. I mean, you try and talk about the, the, the downward spiral of the last ten years without getting to where we are now. Um, the, the the whole Roland Duchatelet ownership. I mean, the, the the thing about Charlton fans is we, we will give anyone a chance, and you know we we, we stayed up in that first season. Uh, we struggled heavily in that second season. But when it turned around, you thought people were thinking, oh, maybe maybe they have learned their lesson after a year and a half or so, after you know so many questionable decisions, mainly with transfers, um, managers, of course. Um, but but the situation is now they've made the same mistakes this year, and that's why we're having a Player of the Year dinner. This, tonight, where not even half the crossbars is full. Exactly, and I, I'd like to ask, ask a question. Actually, and I'd, I'd like, um, and obviously, you're not going to get an immediate answer because this is a podcast. But um, do you think this situation would be as bad? And this is going to sound a bit of a strange question, but I, uh, bear with me. Do you think the situation now would be as bad if Chris Powell hadn't happened? In other words, had we been languishing in League One, uh, not looking like we're going anywhere? Uh, we'd maybe got rid of Phil Parkinson as we did uh, and brought in somebody else who wasn't Chris Powell who was just another manager who still couldn't arrest or get us back uh, to where we were or didn't look like getting us back to where we were and then this owner had to come in do, do you think given um, what Chris Powell did Chris Powell almost brought us back from the brink yeah. and yeah. so therefore we had hope do you think without that hope we'd probably be in quite the uh, the turmoil we are now because um, it was that little bit of hope that we had with Chris Powell that's hope. made it so much worse? Yeah. It's, it's the hope that's killed us. In fact, is, yeah. I mean, I, I'd, I don't know whether that would numb the pain of what's happening now because there's... No, I'm, I, don't, I, don't, I didn't mean it to, did yeah. Of course, the fact that, that Powell was here and, and, and Ronan got rid of him means that we he started off on the wrong foot, shall we say, with the, with the majority of Charlton fans. I think if, if this this ownership did continue, does continue, how it has been making this sort of decisions, making these sort of PR gaffes that we've seen, you know, I think I, I honestly think we probably would have run out of patience a lot sooner if we weren't in the championship. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I suppose going going back to Terry's question, I think it, it can impact different age, different age groups of fans. I mean, for me personally, when we were in League One when Chris Powell came in the first time and we were sort of, we've had that season where we finished mid-table I was like okay it can't get worse for me this is the lowest that you know in my time as a Charlton fan this is the lowest we'll be we started making that slow steady way back up we, we stormed the League 1 the next year then we had a fantastic season in the Championship where you know give it that Cardiff game where it was like this is Chris Powell's game if he doesn't win it he could be going we turn it around we win 5-4 we end up finishing ninth in a fantastic season the next season long we struggle again because he's maybe not had the financial backing stagnant squad wasn't it yeah I think, I think we made up one signing in that summer yeah Roland comes in who has money he's got financial backing but he didn't put it in the right places Powell left you know who brings in Jose keeps us up and then it's just managerial change managerial change and it's the stability that kills us one thing I was thinking of earlier is that and going back to what you said about people giving the regime a chance it's even the start of this season where you look at that opening month under Guy Luzon and you look at how the players back, we were like okay 
maybe maybe something's going to happen here. A few people were saying we might we might be the surprise of the season. They were, they were wrong. <laughs> in a way, <laughs> we were. Wrong. Beach balls are quite surprising, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think yeah. we're still the surprise of the season. <laughs> still the surprise. In a, in a, in yeah. a bad way, unfortunately. So yeah, so when, when it's, it's, it's coming back to the original point, we're looking at a ten-year cycle now since since Kerbishley's left, and, and whereas we did have that slight Philip in the middle where, where we had the Chris Pay years, it's just just what what has gone on in that ten years. You just you, you could not have imagined imagined it at the time. And now we're stuck ten years later. I remember, I remember seeing the Centenary DVD where we're midway through our eight, eight or nine years in the in the Premier League. Not even, yeah, it's nineteen. It would have been two thousand and five. So eight, seven, seven seasons back in the Premiership by that point. And, and I remember the presenter on the DVD. I think it must have been Steve Ryder or Michael Gray, one of the two, saying, um, "You know, who knows what's going to happen in the next hundred years?" <laughs> I mean, again, I mean, I'm looking forward to the next Centenary DVD. I might be dead by then, but well, yeah. <laughs> um, I think best. we want to watch it. <laughs> it disappears, isn't it? I was um, I was thinking about it myself. The uh, I um, I'll, next year it'll be my fiftieth year supporting this club. Um, when I started supporting this club, we were okay. We were a um, sort of mid-table um, at that time, Division Two side, which is the Championship as is now. Uh, and then we had a, a, almost a tilt at trying to get up into the uh, into Division One, as was then, and just failed. Uh, and then the wheels fell off then. And so I then you know, had to watch Charlton bouncing up and down what was then Championship and League One uh, backwards and forwards. We we ended up with an owner that was uh, based in Australia that didn't really seem to give two monkeys about us. Uh, he then sold out to a, to a lunatic <laughs> who thought he had money and didn't. Uh, and then <coughs> obviously that. Morphed into the into the Sellers Park years, uh, and now coming up to my fiftieth year, it's almost like I've gone full circle because now we've got uh, another loon from uh, from abroad uh, who, um, who who nobody can can quite grasp what's going on. Yeah. So uh, it, it's just uh, a little bizarre. To yeah. be fair. Right, grasping what's going on. We're going to be back in thirty seconds. We're trying to grasp what's going on this season as we uh, look ahead to. The, uh, the player of the year presentation we're going to talk about how we've seen things this season whilst everyone enjoys their dinner which smells bloody lovely by the way that's, they're bringing it out right past us yeah. <laughs> we've had sandwiches everybody got a pick and mix <laughs> <laughs> right so we'll be back in 30 seconds so am I still waiting for this world to stop hating can't find a good reason can't find hope to believe in Welcome back, John Live here, coming uh, this evening from Crossbars. Not live, unfortunately, it's a podcast as we uh, record our show here at the Player of the Year dinner. Um, right, it's the Player of the Year, it's the time to reflect upon a season. Um, I mean, this has been one of the worst <laughs> seasons in, in, in recent memory. Uh, so we sort of discussed um, on, on Thursday's podcast where I felt that, that the player of the year should still go ahead. It's a fan-run thing, and, and you know, it's, it, is, it is a good evening. There's, there's no denying that the hall is nowhere near half full this evening. You'd expect probably double what you'd normally get, uh, double what, what we've got tonight in terms of... And it's show, I mean, it's, it's been a crap season. There's no two ways around it. It's been horrible, um, and, and we've been relegated quite comfortably. Uh, and and the, the the empty spaces reflect the the mood of the season. I think it's, it's clear. Uh, and uh, because I think uh, I think most people re- understand and the, the work that's put in by Gene and Ian um, to to get this thing off the ground and, and to, to for the fans to still have their say about the players that uh, that have put in uh, some performances this season. Uh, regrettably, not enough. But um, 
you know, some fans just can't bring themselves to, 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 to make that commitment. Yeah, I don't know if the thirty-seven quid a ticket put them off. They probably yeah. did. To be fair. It's quite, it's quite expensive. But that's the caterers in it. There's not much. Yeah, to, yeah, I know. Not much you can do about that. Um, when you look at the season at the whole, I mean, as you mentioned it earlier, the start of the season, you know, we 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 had that that win against QPR, a couple of decent points, Derby and Forest, and then come back here, beat Hull. You know, that's two teams that have just come down from the Prem, and we've we've beaten the, the last minute winner against Hull and the, the dog pile, the celebrations. There, there was a feeling of optimism, and, and that it seems so bizarre to think of it now. That, that image of guy lose on sprinting down the touchline, <laughs> jumping on the pile, yeah, and quite aggressively slapping Bauer on the back as well. <laughs> no wonder the poor guy's injured. He's <laughs> carried over. Um, yeah, the, the optimism at the start. Of the, I was excited at the start of the season. Yeah. I can't deny that now. And now I feel like a pillar. <laughs> yeah. Look at where we are. I mean, there, there was there was there were signings made at the start of the season, and as is the situation now with with this club, we don't sign players that we've heard of. You know, we were signing people at McKeenock and you know, Cashy. You know, Cashy. I remember seeing Cashy in, in pre-season, and I picked him out as a player. I thought he was going to do well. So injuries has curtailed that, mm. but the likes of McKeenock and Bauer and all, and all these players they're coming in as complete unknowns and. Yeah. Cholton fans I mean fans of football clubs tend to try and be positive I mean if, if they see the bookies saying your favourites for relegation we'll laugh it off and be like no no yeah, we've made these signings but we don't really know what we're talking about at that stage of the season doing and it's, and it's shown that you know, we've, we've made some signings who haven't been up to the level of, of what's required and, and more importantly we haven't made enough signings because once this injury crisis has, has taken hold the, the, the performances have fallen away terribly and, and you could um, look to the, the injuries <coughs> is it a crisis or is it just poor management or poor preparation because this this championship uh, and, and most of the English leagues actually uh, the championship is possibly one of the highest but most of the English leagues are at a, a, a played at a pace which no other European league is, is played at or, or very few other leagues have played at so expecting somebody from a, a different league in a different country to come into the championship hit the ground running and be able to play 40 to 50 games a season without picking up injuries because they're just not prepared for it. Uh, and is that the reason why we, and I think it is that's the reason why we had so many injuries because they're just not prepared for the physical battle that, that ensues when, when, when the championship season kicks off and so you know Cashy maybe is a classic example of that uh, Bauer is an example of that DR is an example of that where you, you know you can't expect these players to, to in the first season especially to be able to just um, cope with the rigours you didn't even learn from it last season because you look at uh, Igor who came in from Copenhagen starts the season with an absolute belter and then he gets injured and we have a little spiral downwards he comes back but he, ne- he was never the player he was at the start of the spell with us I thought yeah. and that again I think it's just they haven't looked at that they, they should have used Igor as an example last year as to not repeat it this year but unfortunately they've repeated it a numerous amount of times this year with God knows how many players. There's, there's so many policies uh, sort of that appear to be at this club in these days that ha- are the reason we've gone down, and and it's the fact that there's similar policies that've been going on for two years with the, the types of players we are signing, like the. You know, you take a gamble when you sign someone like Johan Berggumerson and, and Patrick Bauer. You know, the two, two separate players, two separate players have come in and, and done okay. But then you're, you're taking the same gamble on people like Christian Sabaos and El Hadji Bar, and these are players that we don't we don't know. We just don't know how they're going to perform at this level. I mean, they're 
they're, they're either playing at a foreign level that's nowhere near compa- comparable to the championship like the Danish league football or they're playing not playing at English clubs we saw that with Sabayas and with Bar- at Spurs and Sunderland and, uh, it, it, you just don't know what they're going to do and, and the gamble you can't keep taking these gambles and then hoping to bail yourself out in January and that's what we saw again this season we've tried to bail ourselves out in January but it's come too late and you know, we'll, we'll come on to the managers first but just looking at the playing squad it, it just hasn't been right we haven't had any, anywhere near the right balance of what we've needed and, and, and arguably if we don't, uh, if we don't learn from the, 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 the mistakes we've made for the last two years next season it could happen again because League One we know League we, we, know, we, we had to struggle in League One for a, a few seasons before Chris Powell started to buy players who could get us out of that division uh, and with an ethos that would get us out of the division because there are you know look at Sheffield United for example you know still down Sheffield United shouldn't be in League One but they are and the why are they because they clearly don't do enough to get themselves out of it yeah. and they struggle they struggle to even get into the playoffs last year it's, yeah it's, they've got no but they've had managers that you would think should know better uh, you'd expect the board would know what they're doing. They're, they're, you know, they've uh, they've been there long enough now. You'd think they'd know, but you know, so it's not an easy thing to do. Uh, and for us to get out of League One, we've got, you know, as I said earlier on, we've got to have a seismic change. If these owners are going to stay at this club, we've got to have a seismic change in, in attitude. And the uh, oh, we mentioned this on a show a couple of weeks ago. The uh, the level of knowledge we had of English football, we've had Phil Chapel. Uh, Chris Powell's ahead of I mean, these sort of people know uh, obviously Curves was, was the expert back in the day these know, they know English football and they know who's about what sort of player you need we've, we've given up all that experience and all that knowledge now So, and there's, noth- there's nothing to, from what we've seen from this lot to suggest that they're going to pick that up now who are they going to bring in who's going to understand League One I've seen nothing so far <laughs> to, to suggest that it's going to be any easier next season no it's, a, it's, it's I was just thinking now it's a, it's a huge worry that you think Looking at the signings we made this year, none of them had any experience in English football really in the summer. Looking back at any of them, I can't think of anything. And then when we wanted to get signings that had experience in the English league, they're ones that we'd had the season before that were not good enough to stay on and magically reappear. Not mentioning Roger Johnson, uh, but you know, uh, and even even you know even Diego Poya, who was he was so so big for us that season when Jose was here the first time and Chrissy Powell was here but this year has been nowhere near it hasn't even that's just, that's just bench, some of the, the outstanding naivety that this this um, regime have shown and they think that a player who was okay for us a year ago in terms of Roger Johnson uh, and then has gone out to, to a, a level of nothing football in India mm. or a player like Diego Poyo that they think just bringing in exactly the, literally the same person a year or two years down the line will save us and I, th- <coughs> I think to be fair I mean, and time will tell of course but Smacks of being a, a panic decision anyway. Oh yeah, uh, that you bring two players back because we haven't got a chief scout because we haven't got the setup that can that can scout players. That, that you bring back two players who played for us before and you know they played all right two years ago. So let's risk it again. And you know, as, as Louis just said, you know, you got a player who's playing. Was he in Turkey? Was it? Turkey? It was in Third India. India. Oh, India. That was India, it. Yeah. yeah no, Bas went off to Turkey. Oh, that was it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so playing. Forget about Bas. He was here. Oh well, hopefully. But again, these these. I mean, <laughs> these are players like the likes of Bas You think, oh, he's a big name. It's yeah. it's almost as if. I was picking the team based on what I can vaguely remember from Match of the Day about five yeah. years ago. If that's taste signing to me, if it was like the, the, the regime watched a DVD of the playoffs where he played well <laughs> and was like, he's not got a club, he'll do. 
because mm. he didn't really cut, he didn't even score, did he? No, that's it. Back no. to panic, isn't it? Yeah. Panic buying. No, we, we look at the, we, we sort of try and go through the season as a whole. We, we, we started off well under Guy. We, we went into this spiral where you know, Guy had his, his style of attacking football. He did, I think, at times he tried to mix it up. I remember Reading away, he tried to play. Uh, very defensively for a point and came close to it I think Barrow got sent off ended up losing 1-0 but really he, he, he didn't do too well when trying to mix up his styles and rightly or wrongly people say he got, he got sacked I mean I think he was, on, he was on such a bad run you just couldn't see how he personally would turn it around yeah. um, he got sacked and now we talk about the bad decision in hindsight we made after Alan Kerbishley was sacked in bringing in a manager that didn't quite fit the bill and didn't know the club we, I think we made the worst, man- worst managerial choice we've ever made under Carol Fry I think we, <coughs> we again, didn't prepare properly. Uh, and um, I think uh, that's down to the fact that um, the, the, the system that we seem to operate is that uh, uh, the managers that come in have to be part of the network in the same way as um, uh, quite a few players have to be. And uh, Carol Fry, who had a, a fairly successful period with us with Jose Riga uh, to save us from relegation once before, I'm assuming on paper everybody thought, well, you know, he was he was part of the, the solution once, so let's let's make him part of the solution again. Uh, and uh, it didn't work for for, for mm. a number of reasons. I think it didn't work, and uh, <coughs> because um, we didn't get, uh, I mean, and it's not just necessarily about the coach. We didn't bring in players because it was clear that the squad we had, and it still is clear that the squad we have hasn't been good enough. Mm. So bringing in a you know, you could argue you could have brought in Mourinho. If you don't bring any players alongside him or with him, then nothing's going to change. He can't, can it? Well, no, like you said, like they brought him in as part of the solution. But the bad thing about this year is they brought him in as the solution, <laughs> as it seemed. Interim, he wasn't, was he? he well, of course, he wasn't interim. So Everyone he, he knows he wasn't interim. Well, well, that did nobody any favours, did it? Yeah. Yeah. Either him or, or the club. How can anyone rely on? I mean, it's no disrespect to Carol Fry because he he was at a level before. And he's obviously been off. If you get offered a job to go and potentially manage Charlton, you're probably not going to turn it down, even at that level. But it's 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 so frustrating. The, 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 the fact that, that he was so inexperienced at this level. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST showed so much to you know tell, tell you, you you've been there when when we, we do interviews with carol um and even the difference in experience between the likes of i mean jose and carol and guy you know i asked towards the end of guy's reign i had to ask him two or three times if he was going to get sacked well how he's going to turn around this bad form you ask carol burnley away is the one that sticks out forever burnley away we got beat final just before christmas it was horrible horrible days 
crappy weather, raining. It was horrible. Though. We went in, we, freezing. The, the, us, us and the new shopper and, and Stubbly all got taken into this tiny little room to give Carol soaking wet through this interview. And we're asking him, I'm, I'm asking him, like, how are you going to turn around? I've said relegation form. I've said this is relegation form. How are you going to turn around? He didn't say, like, you know, we've got some stuff to work on. He took it as a personal affront to his ability, saying, well, look at the teams we played. And he listed out a team of a list well, of average teams in the championship. Do you, do you think, though, that, that that came born out of frustration, that answer? Because, uh, you know, as you look at um, Guy Luzon, he brought in players. He brought in, some, we had some good players. We brought in some good players this, at yeah. the beginning of the season. You look at Jose Riga, who's, who's, come, uh, who's arrived since, brought in some good players. Brought in Teixeira's, brought in Fanning, brought in Motta, brought in some good players. We didn't when um, Carol Fry was here. Well, the, at all. I mean, we, we brought in three players when he was here. And we brought in we brought in Diego Poyet. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about in, good, yeah. good players. Yeah, Rojo. We brought in Rojo. And we brought in, what's his name, from Middlesbrough. Yeah. So, and oh, yeah, Williams and Bastet. So the point is, the point that I'm getting at, and, and please bear in mind, I'm playing the devil's advocate here a bit, but... Um, when you consider the quality of players we brought at the beginning of the season and the quality of players we brought when Jose Riga arrived, compared to what was brought in during Carol Fry's tenure here, and there's no comparison at all, mm. uh, and um, that that isn't fair. That made it, it made it difficult. For it him. made it impossible. Yeah. At the same time, I guess you could argue that you know, look at Neil, Neil Warnock went to Rotherham with no players because he came, he went too late, and, and he, he managed but to change the minutes around. If you look at if you look at um, the uh, last season, or yeah, look at the season that uh, Carl Fry and Jose Rigo here as a team, they survived, or we survived, by bringing in a few extra quality players. But we basically had the team that Chris Powell put together. So a different set of uh, management with a, just a couple of bit extra, little tweaks, and we survived. We haven't done that this time. Uh, Warnock's a different case in point because he's, you know, clearly. But you know, you look at the team they've got there, and he's just added some battling qualities. Uh, with some with some homegrown players and some uh, players who know the league, and got a bit more out of them. That's a little different to, to, to the situation we're in, because we haven't got those players in the first place. Not enough of them, anyway. Um, and uh, and that's what's come back to bite us. You think um, if you look at the, uh, the the results that sort of finished off Carroll here? Um, I mean, poor performances at home against it, which we lost three 0 You know, there's other games in there. But the, the very end of his reign was the the two one defeat to Colchester in the FA Cup. Colchester was statistically the worst team in England at the time, and we went up to Huddersfield, who were a lower mid-table. I mean, I know they had the, a newish manager at the time, of Wagner, and a little bit of a boost, but they've, they've still finished sort of mid-table. They're, they're no great shakes, and we've got beaten there five. No, it just shows how, for me, how how much the, the team had just completely lost the plot. And, and surely, surely, some level of organisation would have been able to <laughs> at least only lose those games one or two nil. Yeah, but, and uh, again, well, you know. The, there's been rumours and uh, interviews that uh, Carol Fry's had since with uh, the new shopper. Um, I think uh, around that time that uh, that it's that the wheels, it, the, the whole thing was just seemed to be falling apart. Everything was coming apart at the seams in terms of uh, uh, trying to get players in and the the, the, the reaction to, to what was happening. And uh, uh, we just we just went through a complete mess for for the best part of what? How many months? Two, three months? Just complete basket case of a club for that period as some would say we've still not really come out of that period in terms of basket cases um, towards the end of Carroll's oh, yeah. reign as well we, we actually saw the um, we saw the first few protests I remember the first the first <coughs> there was one before the Sheffield Wednesday game which was October I think 
uh, maybe even November, November actually. Yeah, it was yeah. November, where um, there was a bit of a protest. We actually went on to win the game, but as uh, as things came round to the start of, of 2016, it was the first game against Forest where we saw a big demonstration outside the back of the West Stand after the game, and that's um, for, I, I remember describing it at the time as the biggest mobilisation of Charlton fans since. 1990 when the Valley Party yep. was formed uh, and that's when you know that that's when you realise just how grave of a situation we're in because the, the fans and, and I think we've mentioned it a few times you know you, you, you can't underestimate Charlton fans uh, you can't just um, uh, expect this is a knee jerk reaction to, uh, to, to a few bad performances or a bad season because we've had them already we've had them since 1992 um, we've been down to League One already and struggled in League One for a, a season or two. So it's not just about bad performances. It's, it's, it's a collective supporter base looking at our club and not knowing where we're going the, at all. The, the, the funny thing was, we, the, the, as you say, the start of that protest, it wasn't, it wasn't card. The start of the protest was the spell it out in black and white yeah. campaign. Yeah. And that was just us asking a question. That was not Trump fans saying, get out of here. That was us saying, yeah, what's going on? Tell, tell us. Yeah, we, we, yeah, we've been asking you for a while. You haven't said that this is our show of force. So we want to know what's going on. And you know, there's two or three ways you could handle that, isn't there? Um, and and communication never improved. The balminess of what's going on behind the scenes. I mean, Cal Fry sacked after that game at Huddersfield. We were, he already knew. He already knew before the game that he, this was going to be his last game. So I mean, I, I, give, I do. I still still give him stick for not coming out to speak to the press after and, and forcing Hendo to do it because I think he should have stood up and took it like a man, personally. But um, the fact that he he knew that that was the end of that, and then he was sacked eventually sacked late on the next day the reason it took so long is because we were waiting for them to confirm that Nabosha Vignovic the Utrecht manager was going because that's what Ronan wanted Ronan was ready with Nabosha Vignovic and mm. you know I, I remember Katrine saying after the, during the, the last fans forum meeting when someone asked if, is, was this true she said oh no it's, you know, it's, it's, I'm not going to respond to a rumour the fact was that there was a press release already written for it yeah. you know to say it was only a rumour is just outrageous I mean and that, that's how close that we came to you know, and Roland's decision somehow he was dissuaded I think possibly even Katrine had a, had a word in dissuading him from being that, that, that's the problem we're dealing with here after all the fan unrest we were seeing at the start of the season he wanted to bring in the yeah. to, to manage our football club that's the scary thing is that thinking that somebody with maybe a similar managerial experience to, to Cal Fry a little bit more because who's best uh, I don't know what standard they are so, I can't imagine no it's much knows. better than Belgium no third knows. division. <laughs> but the fact that he saw maybe, you know, Nabozha, Vigna, blah blah is the solution is is petrifying. Yeah. I think I think it goes back to the to, to the original concept of why he's, why he's running the football club network that he's got is because uh, there's a firm belief within the, the, the system and his system that this little merry-go-round of managers and players mixed in with some others and, and think on, you know, one of the reasons we haven't got the quality of, of in, input of players up till the Teixeiras and the um, uh, uh, Rod Fannies and the Motters in, in the middle of that season is because you know, we no longer had the avenue of Standard, uh, Standard Liège where we got a few players from uh, last time out, so you know, he's got that philosophy of network re- revolving door that um, that is is the core part of his plan. So, um, as far as his, you know, from the outside looking in, that's what he believes is the uh, recipe for success. And there's nothing that seems to dissuade him from that at the moment. And so, therefore, it made for, for him it makes perfect sense that this guy who's in the Hungarian um, Southern League, I don't know what it was called, I've no <laughs> idea, um, who has been quite successful in the Hungarian X division. 
um, must be therefore co completely capable of stepping into the shoes, uh, stepping into the managerial slot that's now vacant in another network club. It's similar to the fact that the, the way that we um, recruit players as well, and it is mm. it is mainly done. Chief scouts out with a laptop. You know, he's, he's playing Very a team. He's, play, he's played a real life version of football manager. And the problem the problem here is if, if you look if 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 I go out and play in five side tomorrow night and my passing accuracy is 100. percent we all know. We all know that ain't, that ain't gonna. It's fairly doubtful, though. Yeah, ninety-five. <laughs> <laughs> we all know that's not gonna. That, that's not gonna translate onto the, the same in the championship level football pitch. I'll probably go down to around seventy. Um, <laughs> but the, pro the problem is, Ronan doesn't seem to think like that. He seems. He seems to think that someone uh, lower down club, like a razor, razor could change head, like or, or someone, anyone who's, who's ended up at our club from uh, another network club. And maybe their stats are okay there. They, they, don't, they don't do it here. They don't do it here because it's a completely different style well, and level of football. To be fair, it, it, it's not impossible that they could, but you don't. You don't just. And we've mentioned it earlier on. You don't just jump from one league mm. uh, that is, is arguably a lesser standard anyway into another league of, of this um, of this magnitude and expect to hit the ground running. You know, there are very few occasions, and you can really pick a few of the real top stars. In, in the world that can come to the English division any division in, in England uh, and Britain that's possible and, and be an instant success you know you can probably count them on one end who just come over in normally it takes two or three seasons to bed in and, and, and get used to the pace regardless of, uh, of, of where you're from so you know expecting the, the likes of um, I don't know you can even go this in uh, Mackinac and uh, uh, and Diara and Cashier to actually then suddenly just become an instant hit and then be able to uh, compete uh, at a level constantly for 40 games. It's almost impossible. It's just not possible. Or very rarely possible. So to expect us to have a whole squad of them, <laughs> it's just going to fail, isn't it? That's it's just, it's always going to fail. That's what we've uh, what we found out, unfortunately, uh, this season. So Nabosha Vignovic hasn't come I'm in. I'm glad. You, you've been practising that, haven't you? I, well, I made it up on the first game and I've stuck with it to <laughs> pretend it's the actual. I've no idea <laughs> if that is actually. Right, the first that. show after Huddersfield, I assume that's how you pronounce it. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to claim it. Um, uh, so, Jose came back. Now, the, the, the whole Jose situation was weird, because Jose's name was actually about out before Nabosha was. Mm. It sounded like he was, after, around the, after the Colchester game, it sounded like Jose was getting lined up. He then didn't come. Nabosha was getting ready to come. Then it turned back to, um, to Jose. So, and you uh, don't know whether that was rumour the first time around, because he'd been here before, because it's somebody that um, it's Mr. It, you know, Roland de Chatelain knew. It's yeah. just that the way, the way that his contract ended up, he ended up with, instead of, instead of a six-month contract, he ended up with an 18-month contract. To me, it suggests that I think there would have been some sort of, will you come back for six months? No, you've, you've, already, you've already got rid of me once. I want 18 months. That's 18 months, but is there a clause? Yeah. You know, is there a clause? Yeah. 18 months if you keep us up. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, 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 maybe. Um, so, but Jose's come back, obviously, thrown in at the deep end with the 6-0 at Hull. Um, he, 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 um, he said he hadn't, he hadn't even taken a training session, I think, by that point, and he, he felt he wanted to take responsibility for the squad. Uh, that sort of backfired, of course. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but un uh, under Jose, it, it took four, five, six games to get anywhere near where we needed to be again. And, and the fact, I think he found out quite quickly that it was a lot harder this time. Uh, a much lesser squad, no backroom staff from Chris Powell, uh, no, no, none of none of what helped us keep up last season. And I think he realised he's just bitten, bitten off more than he could chew. Well, I think, and, and you know, if you go back a, a step to to Carl Fry as well, you know, uh, we watched Carl Fry going from a, a, a quite a bullet, and, and by, by the way, Carl Fry and Jazzrig are both thoroughly decent people. Yeah, that's the sad thing about um, Carl because I, I, me and Carol, when we first met. At, 
uh, well, I've done a couple of interviews with him. I met him at, at the, one of the under-21 games. We had a really nice chat, and he got on fire with me, but he could not deal He could not deal with pressure and questioning, well, and he turned on me. I, don't, I think, I think um, you know, if you change that a little bit, I think if you, he couldn't deal with the situation that he was in. In the same way, Jose Riga hasn't been able to turn this around um, because of the situation, because A, because of the situation that we were in when he, when he came, hugely different to the one where he came last time, and that was resulted... In, in the situation being so different for Carol Fry that, uh, as I mentioned before, just didn't bring in the quality of players that we needed at all. Mm-hmm. If we'd have brought in Teixeira, Fanny, Motta, Lookman had come in a little bit earlier, um, <coughs> and uh, Diara had been fit, and let's say, would you know, would we still be talking about this situation now? I don't know. Would we have just? Would we have managed spluttered to over the line? Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah that, I mean, don't get me wrong; it would still have been a naff situation, but not quite as um, as horrific as as we are. That would have been interesting to see had we spluttered over the line. What what situation would have been oh, with no. protesting? You know, if, if, if we were always floating just above relegation rather than in it. Um, un- under Joe's, I guess we did see that one big away win at, at Rotherham, and that was the day where you know Simon McKeon scored some uh, a couple of great goals, and you know we, we absolutely wiped the floor with a, a Rotherham side who was still under I think Neil Warnock at, at, and under Neil Redfern at the time, and you know I saw I saw them as the team that we were going to catch, and this was going to be the the performance that, that turned the season around, and we were going to stay up, but. You know, after that, I think we, we came back here and lost to Bristol City, and, and just any any momentum from that just got taken away. Didn't we have the same story on the Carroll Friday? We we did we. Uh... <laughs> Jacko's staring us <laughs> down there. <laughs> we we uh, didn't we go to Birmingham City and win? Didn't we uh, put in a performance against Brighton that we thought, "Hello, <laughs> what's happening here? We're, we're suddenly on a, on a run." It was on the Carroll, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And then uh, and then uh, it, it just fell apart, and, and similar sort of thing with Jose. Yeah, um, and then you know, too too many too many big games where we didn't turn up. The Bristol City game was a chance to catch a rival. The uh, the MK Dons game was the one where I, in particular, questioned Jose. You know, I think we have improved under Jose, but I still think there were questions to ask. And that MK Dons game where he didn't bring on Lookman until eight minutes from the end, yep. where he took off Callum Harriet to bring on Yaya Sonego, and Callum was having an absolute stormer. Yep. You know, all, all these all these little. I mean, you, you look at the the big picture as a whole, as everyone does with the ownership and the the regime and the, and the bad signers, but you, you can't. You can take this season into little into games and think, well, if, we, if we'd done something different there and if we got that point there, and, and you, you can look at it like that and think, you know, we, we could have just about survived. And that's that's the, the sad thing at times. I mean, the, the, we were give, we were dealt with a crappy hand. Less, I mean, we, we've been given a, a crap hand by the owner in that. But we, we, we could have just about survived had he made just one or two different little changes. But the fact that he's been so set in his ways means that we haven't even made those little changes. And, and we're going back down to League One after four years. Uh, bang on! I can't argue with any of that. I think you've put it as, as well as uh, as well as anybody can. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, we, we have got relegated, but like we said, we, we are here at the, at the Player of the Year dinner. The um, presentation will be coming up soon. Uh, by the time we've edited the podcast, will be in about thirty seconds. <laughs> 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 uh, the what I, what I do want to show. Yeah. What I do want to talk about is the fact that um, you know that our Player of the Season. I mean, Lewis, who, who, who are your main contenders? Who are you going to give the gong to? Um. Contenders for me have to be between uh, Alu Diara, even though he was out for a long period of time, uh, and you know, Jordan Cousins again for me because he's just a consistent performer. Because well, I, I, yeah. I would actually question the consistency of Jordan this season. I think mm. start of the season he struggled. I think last eight or ten games is back to where we we know the Jordan Cousins we know and love, and we're probably going to miss if he leaves. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah Alu Diara for me. 
when he has been in the squad's always been good, but his injury crisis has been too long. Mm. I can't think of a single player who's been out there for the entire season and performed for the entire season. I mean, the, the player who's played the most is Big Morgan Fox. You know, but he's he's had some furious questions asked of him. But I think, you know, I think he's, I don't think he's as bad as people make out at times. He's he's not. But at the same time, he has certainly had some poor performances in, uh, midway through this season. As, as the team has, he, he's, he's gone with the team. And he's, he's stood out at times as, as having difficult games. But at the same time, you know, he has, he's played the most out of everyone. It's bizarre, isn't it? I think Fox loses a lot of the ball, isn't he? That's the, I think that's... That's his problem. <laughs> that, yeah, that's the reason that he's, he comes under the scrutiny so much. Because he's, he's the one that's always on the ball. Um, and that's, it surprises me, actually, how much we use him. I guess you could say he never hides as well, but... You know, yeah. like I say, his, his level of performance at times has dropped yeah. too low. But I mean, I mean, again, it's all about the entire squad. People forget how well he started this season. He got Wales call up, new new contract. Got his goal against QPR. Goal against QPR. Yeah. Which I'm, I'm still devastated I missed that because uh, towards the end of last season, I was really blowing blowing Fox's trumpet. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and um, there's, <laughs> a, there's a little snippet that should be replayed at the regular interview. <laughs> <laughs> and I was glad to miss that to miss that goal, but. Um, <laughs> yeah, but he has at times dropped off, and like I say I, I just can't think of someone who has played the entire season con- at a consistent level for me. Well, and and that's the reason we are where we are, of course. I mean, I think um, there isn't one, generally speaking. And I, I think um, the reason my personal pick would have been Dr. is because um, yes, he's been injured, but uh, you mentioned that the uh, you know um, Morgan Fox has played the most uh, regularly. So has Jordan Cousins. So has you know Bo Goodmanson. Uh, so is Chris Solly, actually, and, and arguably Chris Solly has never really had a, um, a disgraceful period of, of play. So arguably Chris Solly's been one of the most consistent performers for the side for a long period. Um, but the, the reason we are where we are is because not enough players have put in uh, either um, enough consistent performances or have been injured for too long. And I think the reason I chose Aladiara um, uh, as, as my pick was because every time he did play, um, and he's played 31 games apparently, um, although it seems less somehow, I don't know why, but it does. Uh, every time he did play, I thought he's been close to being the man of the match every single time, and that, yeah. that was my pick. And, and I mentioned before, I think if, um, if Nick Pope would have played consistently for longer, I think he would have been up there as well. Mm. Uh, when you look back at the, the, the whole season as well, there are another couple of things people like to pick out goal of the season, game of the season. So, Goal of the season was won on the 25th of August. Yeah, absolutely. It was by nobody uh, else coming the, even close. Yeah, Ahmed Kashi is sat, sat at the nearest table to us he has been so far. I don't know where he's gone now, actually. But um, he scored one, one of my all-time favourite goals is uh, yeah. against Peter Brown in the uh, Carling Cup or the Capital One Cup, if uh, anyone can't remember. And uh, we, uh, you, you'll hear the commentary from Alex Stedman and, and from Grace W uh, throughout the season on our show because we, we made that into, into a little bit jingle. Because, Quite rightly so. Yeah, it was, it was just a spectacular moment. And again, this was when we were on a bit of a high and we drew Crystal Palace at him. We were all thinking, oh, this is exciting. Yeah. Uh, we all dreaded that game after a few weeks but um, yeah. he, he picks up the ball he, he intercepts a pass pretty much on the halfway line only runs forward about 10 yards spotted uh, Anik uh, out of his goal and my goodness me it's just David Beckham style lobbed him into that far corner and, and no other goal comes close to in, in years and years no it was unbelievable wasn't it? Yeah. Was we've had some good, good goals that have been good uh, some great moves that have resulted in goals well, sorry yesterday against Leeds the yeah first Leeds one as well the, um, the, the, the Brighton goal um with Adamola, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Well, it was a great move. I think the goal here. I'm trying to think. It was against. Um, was it Barrow where um, uh, Nick Pope rolled it out to Jordan Cousins? He slots in uh, Goodmans and then across to Better Kaylee. Uh, oh, was that Rotherham away? No, no, no. away yeah. Yes, Rotherham away. Yeah, right, away, yeah. Pardon. yeah, Rotherham away. That was a great yeah. worked goal. But you know, 
we can talk about that all day. There's nothing that comes close yeah. to Cashies. There's going to be another good goal against Sheffield Wednesday here. It was yeah, we, we scored, we scored the, the, the start of the second half. We scored an absolute beauty team goal that Morgan Fox chipped it in, someone squared it. I think held it up. Yeah, I think no, Razor, right. Razor finished off. We have scored some, some good team goals. You see that Medkashi now retaking his place at the table. Uh, yeah, he's, he's the man who I give um, uh, goals of the season. To game of the season, I guess that there has been some good ones. You know, that Rotherham away one we mentioned, Sheffield Wednesday at home here. Yep, yep. The whole game where we scored that last minute winner. You know, there, there have still been some moments, thankfully. Yeah. Otherwise, we would have gone crazy. By well, and, and I suppose that's what tonight's all about: is is, is um, clutching at those straws. <laughs> the, <laughs> the straw straw clutcher of the evening <laughs> of the year. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. Well, we're, I think we're gonna we, we've done the season now. We're gonna we're gonna slow down because. Perfect timing, they're about to start the uh, the Player of the Year presentation. Poor season for the club, both on and off the field problems. And you all have seen that Aston Villa even cancelled their Player of the Year dinner. I personally think that was the wrong decision. Yes, football is a team man, of course it is. But I think this is an opportunity for us to acknowledge that within a team, there are individuals who do more than their share, and I think it would be an insult to everyone in the, in the squad if we didn't acknowledge that fact. And I'm very glad to see there's been such a positive response from everybody to the players when they came in. I hope the players appreciate that. Anyway, the first thing to talk about is the Hall of Fame. Because we've obviously only got memories going back, depending on our ages, the way we do it is we've divided it into three categories. We have the old time period, which is pre-1950. Probably only Sid can remember most of those players. The rest of us are far too young. Um, yeah, you see, there we are. Um, then we have 1951 to 1980, which... Uh, my age group and certainly remember some of them, and then the more recent 1981 to the present day. And the results this year for the pre-1950 uh, campaign, in second place, our skipper in the 1930s, when we got two promotions and we finished runners-up in the top division in consecutive years, and that's Jimmy Oates. But the winner who goes into the Hall of Fame is the centre-half in the FA Cup winning team of 1947, Harold Phipps. From the middle section, the runner-up, um, one of the real charm legend, and I'm sure he was going to make it uh, in there very soon, but he came runners-up this year, and that's recently deceased, but long will he be remembered, John Huey. And the winner, um, somebody who is very dear to all our hearts, I'm sure just for everybody here, and certainly apart from perhaps the very youngest, will know what I'm talking about. Flying winger who was uh, who we enjoyed for many years in the 70s and into the 80s, I think. Into the Hall of Fame goes Colin Powell. And from the more recent uh, era, uh, in the five years we've been doing this, this is the closest result we've ever had. It was actually decided by eight votes. The runner-up, eight, eight, eight votes short, is Bob Boulder. 
a man who they say will never have to buy another drink in Charlton again after that first goal back in 1992, Colin Walsh. Charlton Live. Okay, now we're coming on to the awards. And the first award is, is an interesting one. It's one we brought in, I think it was five years ago, maybe six years ago. And it's really for the fan of the year. Uh, it's for a child supporter who has really done something a bit special over many years, probably. Without whom, these annual dinners wouldn't have happened over the last five or six years. Let's put your hands together. She's going to be very surprised. Jean Hewitt. Right, the next award is the Cantor Award, which... Uh, I'm hoping somebody from Kazoo is going to uh, come up and announce that. Yes, we have. Thank you, Tony. The Disabled Sports Association's vote for Player of the Season is Lujuri Okay, now we move on to talk about the Charlton's Community Trust. And we've been very pleased this year to kind of have them linked with the Player of the Year dinner. Perhaps a bit more than they've done in the past. Say Marilyn has helped a lot with the uh, with the organisation, and um, they've given me a few notes of what they want me to say. I'm going to pass you over to uh, to Jason Moore in a minute, but uh, well, don't no, don't pass you over to Jason straight away. I think come on, here, Jason, come on, you come, come on. I'm going to read all this out. Come on, do yourself. Um, no, just to be clear. Alice is a player that does the most in the community and supports what we do in schools and, and out in the community. So it's Ethan Hope. Right, now we move on to the young player of the year. He's had to prove that he's got the temperament as well as the ability to, uh, to handle such a rise in such a short space of time. So the Valley Golden Player of the Year award goes to. And okay, we now get on to the main event, and as always in reverse order, the top three votes in the third place for John Athletic Player of the Year for 2015-16 is Johan Berg Gunnarsson. Okay. The runner-up this year is Alu Diara. Okay, that leaves just one to go, and you've probably most of you already guessed by now. Retaining his cup for the second year, and as they say in political circles, increasing his majority from 36% of the vote last year to 41% this year. Let's have a big hand for Jordan Cousins. Jose Rodriguez, if you'll just mind coming up and just saying a few words to us. 
I must be honest, I don't feel very comfortable um, to make a speech just because I, I would prefer to be in the same situation than two years ago, of course. So I share, of course, the sadness and the frustration and, and the result. And as manager, you feel responsible, of course. But even in this situation, I want to first say thank you to the staff and I don't speak about only the technical staff, but also the medical and all the people working out each day in the training ground and the other people that we aren't able to see but working also hard here in the valley. That's the first thing. After that, I want to say thank you to the players because arriving uh, a few months ago, a few weeks ago, uh, I have worked to have to learn everybody. I've seen a big group. I've seen players in a difficult situation individually and collectively. And of course, because the result, I cannot make no one happy today. But what I did through my choices, through all what I did, was for the best of the club. And I hope that you will remember it. The last thing, we close the past. The past is the past. I think we have to think about the present to prepare a better future. And the future, I think, can be very bright here in Charlton. Through, of course, the work of the community, the academy, Animalize, Good example, of course, but there are other ones. The work that Steve is doing with all the staff. With everything, the facilities, you know that the first time for me, immediately, Charlton means a lot when I arrive and I discover this club. And it's a special moment for me because I repeat, I would like and I would prefer to be in another situation. The most important for me is in the future to be able to do it together, as Jordan said, because this club deserves another position. And of course, I'm sure most of the time when you have to face with some difficulties and you stick together, you can reach even a better level than in the past. And that's all I wish to all of you. And I will end by saying thank you to the people, to the fans, because I got always the feeling, maybe not all of you, that I was support and it's very important for me. So again, thank you to all of us. Charlton Live. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, your 2015-16 Player of the Year for Charlton Athletic, uh, second year in a row for, for Jordan Cousins. Yeah, and it, um, I mean, I'd say my personal pick was LDR, but um, Jordan would have probably run him a close second. Uh, so, um, uh, no real surprise, I suppose. But, yeah. um, and, you know, normally you'd come to this point and you'd say, well deserved. Mm -hmm. It's a tough thing to say when, <laughs> when you've been relegated that anything's well deserved. But, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, fair play to him. It's, uh, he's, and as, uh, as we like to sing, he's one of our own. So, uh, haven't got a problem with that at all.
Yeah, so to, to run through the, the full list of awards there, so Jordan Cousins is your, your player of the year. Second place was Alu Diara. Third place was Johan Bergmanson, the young player of the year. Uh, no surprise, as we said at, at the top of the show, Adam Ola Lookman. Uh, the Community Trust Player of the Year is Nick Pope, and that's uh, for his, normally for his work in the community and helping out the trust. So uh, Callum Harriet won it last year. Nick Pope's won it this year, so congratulations to him. The uh, the CADSA, the Charlton Athletic Disabled Supporters Association, their Player of the Year, Alu Diara, and the, uh, the, the, the Fan Award went to June Hewlin. She um, runs this dinner, and uh, <laughs> her she, and Ian. And we've been told she thought it was going to somebody else. Yeah, so that wasn't a massive <laughs> so that surprise was a, for her. So that yeah. was a surprise for her, but well deserved. Anyone who's who've ever come to these dinners knows exactly uh, how, how well organised it is. And uh, congratulations to her. So now we're gonna we're gonna cut out as uh, I'm gonna send Terry off uh, to try and pick up some some players to to have some uh, interviews. So we're gonna start. You're gonna start now to hear the players' interviews sort of back to back. Charlton Live. So first up, delighted to be joined here by the, the Player of the Year for 2015-16, second year in a row, uh, Jordan Cousins. Jordan, you, you said up, up there, it's, it's a difficult season and it's just quite a strange situation to be taking the award in this year, but it must still give you some pride. Yeah, it does. It means that I must be doing something well, Not, you know what I'm saying? So it's a nice feeling, but obviously globally I'd like it to be a bit, a bit different, you know what I'm saying? It's a bit different to last year because obviously... As you can see, there's not as many people here, obviously because people are not, are not happy with what's going on and it's totally understandable, you know, we're a relegated side, but on the upside, it's nice to see all the fans there, you know, coming in to support the boys still, you know what I'm saying? Um, from a personal point of view, as someone who's come through the academy, who's been with Charlton all his career, is it particularly difficult to see to see what's happened this season with the relegation? Uh, yeah, it is, because it's my first one, it's tough to take, you know, I, I don't know what it's like to be relegated, obviously now, I know now, but it's not it's not a nice feeling, because it's not just the football I think about, you think about people that might, you know, lose their jobs at the Valley and things like that, so that's that's the bits that, that hit home a lot, yeah. When you look at your performances throughout the season, do you feel... That they've perhaps throughout the whole season been been at a level you feel obviously that the entire squad's probably uh, looking at themselves when, when you get relegated. No, uh, yeah, I think you know, I think the start of the season wasn't probably the best start of the season. Well, we as a team, I think we started well. Personally, I don't think I started as well as I could have. I thought you know Jose coming in at the time he did. I think he always gets the best out of me, and I think I've ended the season you know personally quite strong. Do you know what I'm saying? And I've just. I credit that to Jose because he always that's what happened last time when he came in and he's done it again this time so um, yeah I'm grateful for Jose for doing that Do you think you can put your finger on what the difficulties have been this season I mean you mentioned Jose there there's been a, a lot of changes of head coaches <laughs> Yeah there's been a lot of changes of head coaches listen it could be there's a number of things that we couldn't probably have, have done better as a player I believe everybody probably could have performed a, a bit better you know but it's hard it's hard because for me was massive is the, the change of management because when you have change of manager there's a, you get new players you know what I'm saying so it's, it's, it's a hard one it's a hard one for me being a young player as well I'm not really sure because this is the, like, the first time it's happened so it's hard to put, put my finger on it because it's, it's a lot of pressure really to go through people forget how young you are because it feels like now you've been in the, in the first team for two or three seasons yeah, it, it, yeah. people forget how young you are I guess yeah exactly that, this is my what, third full season now so Hopefully, there's many more to come. Um, you, you mentioned up there about everyone trying to stick together and trying to get the the club back to you said the Premier League where where it belongs. You know, how, yeah. how, when when you sit down in this situation, how, how how do you look towards your own future? Do do, do you know what what's, what's going to happen I don't, yet? I don't, right, at this second, I don't know what's what's happening. You know, there's a lot of lot of things that need to be 
spoken about and X, Y, Z. And ultimately, it's not up to me. I've still got three years to go on my contract, you know what I'm saying? So the final decision won't, won't lie with me, it will lie with the club. Well, Jordan, uh, thanks for coming to join us. Um, congratulations on, on your trophies. Uh, it's well-deserved. Thank you very much. And uh, all the best. Thank you. Charlton Live. Adam Ola, Young Player of the Year. So, congratulations, a great honour. Uh, thank you very much. Yeah. How, how does it feel? I mean, you've, you've, it's, been, it's been a whirlwind season for you, really. Yeah. You've, you've burst into that first team and you, know, you, took, you took your chance and, and been awarded with, with something at the end. Yeah, um, it's been a huge head of uh, 18 months. Um, I think that um, just everything, football, education, I think I've taken it into my stride and... Hopefully, I can use all the things I've learned over the past 18 months and use it to go on to greater heights. Yeah. Could you ever see 18 months ago when you were playing in, in, in Sunday League football? I guess you'd call it. Could you ever see what 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 was coming? Did you ever see that happening? No, didn't see it at all. Um, everything that just happened to me, I still feel like I'm dreaming, really, to be honest. But um, yeah. It, it's, it seems to me that uh, with, at your age, you almost come into the first team and you, and you play with no no fear. You, you're obviously a flair player. You've obviously got the skills. So, yeah. and, and you, you've never you've never looked out of place at all on the first pitch on the first team pitch. Um, I just feel like if I don't play the way that I, I normally play, I wouldn't be coming off the pitch. I wouldn't be happy with my performance. So, I'd rather come off the pitch happy with myself, happy with playing with confidence and not playing with fear so that's good how did it feel when you got your first your first first team goal I think it was the, the Brighton um, one the first thing I heard was the, um, the fans screaming and I thought to myself oh wow yeah I scored my first professional goal so I just went off to celebrate really but yeah it's a proud moment for me as quite a slight player and a young player and a, a skillful player coming up against men who at times it seems want to try and kick you off the field <laughs> how's that been for you um a whole new experience. Um, I didn't think it would be as physical as I am experiencing now, but um, I think um, I've gotten used to it and I've adapted to it well. And I guess um, it, it has been a difficult first season for you, considering the, the, the team that you've come into, the fact that, that they have gone down. But, you know, is, is it something you, you'll, I guess you'll remember for the rest of your career anyway? Um, yeah, definitely. I think... Um, with everything that's happened to me, if we had stayed up, uh, I feel like this whole feeling around myself would have been ten times better. But obviously that hasn't been the case, so it's obviously sad. But at the same time, I'm, well, I'm I'm proud of my achievements, but I'm also saddened about. And uh, the, uh, the the trophy you've won tonight, not the only award you've won recently. You got the, the Football League Apprentice of the Year. Now that that's national recognition, and yeah. Joe Gomez only came second in that. So I guess that, that uh, must fill you with confidence. Yeah, um, yeah, another great achievement. I think um, I don't really want to be compared to anybody because I'm my own person. So so I have to keep it like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, congratulations and, and thanks for for all you've done so far this season. Thank you. Charlton Live. Jacko, um, hello, hello. Uh, player of the year dinner at the end of a difficult season. Mm. It's a bit of a strange night, I guess, for the players. Is that a question? Yeah, is it yeah. a strange night? <laughs> is it a strange night? Yeah, yeah. It's a bit of a strange night. Yeah, obviously the crowds are a bit down on normal years. The atmosphere a little bit, you know, not as uh, jovial as in previous years, but. Um, I think that the evening's gone um, as well as can be expected, to be honest. 
I guess when you when you look at the end of, of such a disappointing season, it's still nice to see that, that there are some fans who, are, who who have come out to, to try and spend an evening with you guys. Yeah, I think I think what you see here is the heart of Charlton Athletic. You know, um, core of the uh, the supporters here, and all they want is the best for their club. And you know, all the players have showed up here to try and show a little bit of you know what we've done on the pitch. Obviously, this year has, has not been good enough, but. The most we can do is here is show up and try and give a little bit back, and the supporters are here have um, you know showed their appreciation to that, and um, we made it you know the best possible evening that we can have. Obviously, it's not going to be uh, you know as uh, as jovial as years gone by, but um, I think I think we've made it the best that, that it can be. Uh, you came out and you spoke with us after the Bolton game, so you, we, we've discussed the, the disappointment of this season, and I guess so. Now is the time to look into the future, and you know when, when you look at next season, you've already said you're going to you're going to be yourself. Can can, can you see that the, the seeds of rebuilding are already there, or is that something that's going to happen over the summer? Yeah, I think it's, it's difficult to see it already, but you know all I can do is hope. And um, like I said after that Bolton game, that I wanted to see something from the last three games, and um, you know the the home game against Brighton, a difficult game. A team, obviously, pushing for promotion is always going to be difficult, and uh, we pushed them all the way. And you know, might have got a draw on the day, and obviously, yesterday we've gone to Leeds and we've won. You know, so all I was hoping for after that, you know, after the relegation was confirmed, that we could show the fans something in the last three games that that might give them a little bit of hope for uh, for next year. Um, I think we done that a little bit yesterday. Nights like tonight. You know where there's a little bit of hope for the future, the way people speak, and um, you know when you look at the likes of Ademola, you know winning his award, Jordan winning his award. You know if we can hang on to these players and then build around them. You know and like I said before, you know use the spirit of uh, of that squad that we built before when we got out of League One. You know look towards that and learn from that and build towards it. Then um, could have the makings of an exciting season. You know. Um, we might have, you know, hopefully we might have reached rock bottom and uh, from here on the only way is up. That, you know, that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, sure. um, uh, what we've seen throughout the season, I've seen you've tried to make sure there still is that bond between the players and the fans. I've noticed you, you're going over to clap at Colchester away where we didn't even get on. And, you know, you know how important the, the, the bond is. And I guess that as, as captain, as, as Mr. Cholton, you, you go try and keep that strong. Yeah, I mean it's important for me. I think I've got an important role to play. You know, whether I, whether I'm on the pitch, whether I'm not on the pitch. I think I'm. Um, I think I'm an important, you know, cog between between the club and the fans, especially you know at this difficult time. Um, I think I think the fans know that that I've got the club at my heart. That I want the best for the club, and I try to be that that go between as best as I can you know I've formed a lot of um, good relations since I've been at this club you know between between you guys between the fans social media things like that have helped along the way and uh, I think it's quite un- unique in this day and age um, you know what I managed to build up and the rapport that I managed to build up and um, you know I think the relegation is probably probably affected it a little bit and uh, you know rightly so but I hope that, that a lot of that still stands strong um, you know my feelings towards the club and hopefully the club towards me I hope that can be um, a building point you know 
towards a better future because I think we need I think we need something like you know that like a solid base to go forward and I'm going to do all I can you know in advising the club forward and and helping and you know in the, in in the new players that come in and the players that go out and the new squad that's built that I'm sure will happen over the over the close season and the pre-season it'll be a massive job for me to um, to make sure that we can try and build towards um, next season and like I've always said it's it's a major major disappointment going down but looking back on those years where we came up before and the spirit that we had you know you look around you think of the night that we had this night four years ago when we came up it was one of the most incredible nights uh, and the time generally that we had during that season and there's no reason that we can't build it again obviously I'm gonna I'm gonna have a major role in that hopefully you know given given the opportunity um, and I just want to play my part in that and I you know I just hope that the club can uh, can do that going forward Jack, and we can we can hear the determination in your voice to put things right next season. Thanks for joining us here on Charlton Live. Thank you, guys. Charlton Live. Harry Lennon, Harry. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's been it's been a deep. Oh. I guess from a personal point of view, it's probably been an all right season for you, getting your, your, your first real spell in in the Charlton first team. Yeah, obviously on the like personally, you know, I've had played a lot of games. I broke through to the first team. You know, it's been quite positive for me. You know, I've scored a few goals. Which has been, you know, been positive, but obviously it's disappointing. You know, we've been relegated and we're in League One. But yeah, on a personal point of view, you know, I've played games, and yeah, that's what I wanted to do. You know, that's my target at the start of the season. So. You went out on loan to Gillingham and you, and you cut your teeth again in, in, the, in the football league, and you, you were called back by I think it was Carroll, and then and then you, and you got your big chance, and I guess, I guess you could say you, you've taken it. Yeah, you know, I can't argue. You know, like. You know, it has helped me massively, you know, going on loan. You know, I've gained experience and, you know, we were sort of fighting at the top of the table at Gillingham. And I've come back here and played, I think I played about 15, 16 games in a row. So, you know, it's done me good, but obviously it's disappointing getting relegated. But hopefully, that's, you know, been good for me, you know, and hopefully next season we can bounce back and get back in the championship. As a, as a young player, how difficult had it been coming into a side that has been struggling yeah obviously you know it's quite hard but you know you just play your own game and yeah you just you know you play your own game and you just try and do your best for the team at at the same time of course dealing with um, uh, sort of well behavioural fans that most clubs won't ever see um, is is that sort of thing does that affect your game is that something you don't really worry about you know the games that um, the fans protested in. Obviously, I, w- I weren't playing, so personally, it didn't affect me, and I don't, I, I don't think it affected the players really. You know, the ones that started. You know, obviously, we got a few good results. You know, off the back of the protests, so you know, I don't really think it affected them. But you know, you can expect it like, in the situation we're in. So. Um, so well, now you've had experience of League One this season. We're, we're back in League One this season, so I guess you already know what to what to expect. Will you will you pass that on to your teammates? And yeah, you know, I think you know, I think they know what to expect. Really, it's like it's a physical league. You know, it is a big step down. To be fair, 
from the championship but you know it's, it's, a, it's a still a t- very tough league and, and I think if we get the right players in and you know I think we can hopefully build a good squad together and hopefully get back how, is it, how, well. how important is it for um, uh, players to have nights like this uh, to, to spend with the fans yeah, you know, it's important just to see what their point of views are and you know, I think most of the players understand their frustrations from the fans and why they're protesting and you know, I think the, the players know you know we've not been good enough this season and you know rightly so that they've been protesting and you know showing they're not not happy we've, we've just heard from from Jacko that there's, there's a determination to, to put things right next season I guess you'll be feeling that as well yeah we've got to like hopefully you know I think players obviously players will be going and hopefully we can get the bright players in and you know build a good solid team and you know hopefully I think we're plenty good enough to you know get push and get back in the championship yeah Harry thanks for joining us here uh, tonight on Charlton Live thanks man Charlton Live sorry Chris Solly and We've been saying it to everyone, but it's a bit of a weird evening, I guess, and a player of the year celebration, but at the end of a really difficult season for everyone. Yeah, it's a bit of a subdued atmosphere, and there's obviously not as many people here as we normally have, but I suppose that's expected. It's still been a good night, nice to interact with the fans. The fans have been pretty positive, to be fair, and it's gone smoothly, and I suppose it's as best that we could have hoped for, really. I guess um, you, you may find personally the fans are quite positive for you in particular because obviously you're, you're a fan's favourite. You've won you've won this award uh, twice yourself, and you know not involved as much this season. You've had you've had your injury problems as well, and I guess you know when, when you look at the season as a whole, is, 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 it, is it? Can you find positives? And yeah, it's all, you can always find positives out of everything. Obviously, it's tough this year where things obviously haven't gone to plan on and off the pitch, and hopefully in the summer certain points will be addressed again, both on and off the pitch. And we need to start pre-season with a clean slate and ready to try and get out of that league and bounce back as soon as possible, really. Last time it took three years and hopefully we'll do what Wigan have done this year and bounce straight back. So you, you've been in that league before in League One, you know you know what it takes, you know exactly what sort of battle we're going to be in for. Yeah, it's a tough league and everyone has seen before how hard it is to get out of it. Like I said, it took us three years before. The first year we was in it, the squad, I, wasn't, I was involved but on the bench a lot. The squad we had, we should have got out of that league, really. And that proved how tough it was. The year we come up, both Sheffield teams were flying as well. And any other year, them two would have probably gone up if it weren't for how good we was that season. So there's a few big clubs in that league. Bolt want to be a huge club in that league again. And it's going to be tough, but I'm confident if the right changes are made that we'll get out of the league. Um, as, a, as a player, obviously you're, you're a one-club man so far. Um, Cheltenham obviously means a lot to you. Did, did it hurt particularly what's, what's going on this year? And, and what's yeah, of happened? course, like, not just being a player I'm always a fan as well I've been coming to the Valley now since I was 11 years old I'm obviously an Arsenal fan but you can't come and watch a, a team for 7-8 years before I start playing for it without becoming attached to it and becoming a fan so it hurt me as well and it's disappointing for everyone really there's not really much more I can say everything's been said but now I'm just looking forward to the break over the summer trying to get this out of the system and then come back for pre-season raring to go I guess I mean you, you talk about changes and as, as a player you know you, you know what sort of things we would need to do to, to just perhaps on the, on the playing side what sort of changes you're looking for well there's going to be a lot of like player wise I imagine there's going to be a fair few changes we've got quite a few loans um, so it's going to be a big job for recruitment this summer 
trying to bring in the right sort of characters as well as quality of players. That's one thing we did before really well when we got out of the league was we brought in the right sort of characters. And I think back to players like Matty Taylor, Morrow, uh, Danny Hollands, Dale Stevens, and they was all winners. And they're the sort of characters we need now where you can go into that league and grind out 1-0 wins and them scrappy win. I remember like scrappy 1-0s away at Brentford, Exeter, them sort of results. You're going to need the characters to, to get them sort of positive results. And the determination, especially amongst the players who, who've been in that league before and have got out of it, the determination to do it again because you know, you've already earned, the, you've already earned the, the, the right not to be in League One but we're back in there so you must be so determined to, to yeah. put that right There's again. There's no getting away from the fact that no one wants to play in League One. I've been in there for a couple of years and got out there and I've enjoyed playing in the Championship and the aim was to get into the Premiership with this club. So now, look, <laughs> facts don't lie, we wasn't good enough this season. We've, got, we've deservedly gone down and now we've got to prove to everyone that we're good enough to be back in this league and then in two years' time hopefully push on and try and aim for the Premiership again. Yeah. That's, uh, that's certainly hopefully something that we, can, that we can look forward to in years to come. Chris, thanks for coming to join us here this evening. OK, cheers. Charlton Live. Right, joining us now on Charlton Live, the, uh, the the third place in, in the Player of the Year, uh, Johan Berggudmundsson. Johan, I guess, um, uh, third place. Is you happy with that? I'm going backwards. I was second <laughs> last second season, so that means I'm going. I'm going backwards. So yeah, it's um, right. Yeah, it's um. We, we can't avoid the fact it's been it's been a difficult season on the pitch and um, you know, no no one's happy with, with where we've ended up and, and, and as a, as a player it, you, you just can't you, you must be slightly disappointed with the way things have gone. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's been a disappointing season. When you get relegated for any league, it's obviously a, a disappointment. And uh, yeah, this season has uh, not been good enough. I mean, uh, we started off quite well, but. Then uh, I think yeah, middle part of the season that is what let us down. I think, and then we we picked her up a bit in the end of the season, but it was just a bit too late. So obviously, yeah, as I said, when you get rele- relegated, that's obviously a disappointment. Can you put your finger on, on why it started to go wrong, perhaps after that that early season good form? I mean, it's obviously it's not one factor. It's a lot of factors that come into it. A lot of obviously things, as I said, come into it. You can't put finger on what is exactly and it's just many things that's not gone wrong not gone well so that's about it I mean it's not one thing it's a lot of things that's gone wrong this season and uh, that's why you get relegated Um, How important is it for you as a player to to spend the night with the fans like like this evening? I mean it's definitely been a good evening I mean fans have been unbelievable tonight and most part of the season I think they've been unbelievable obviously it's been protests and they're not been happy uh, happy with how, how things are going but you know you kind of understand that they're not happy so they'll they'll protest there's no problem but tonight it's been i think tonight is really good and they've been all positive and that's what you got to do i mean i know we're in league one but i mean Wigan went down last last season and they bounced straight up so that must be the aim of the club to bounce straight up and everybody be happy again um for, for your own point of view i remember asking you a similar question at the player of the year dinner last year uh, about your future and you said if, if the club showed ambition that you'd be happy to stay on and you did stay on obviously it's, it's a different situation now and we're, we're down in League One from a personal point of view can, can you think about what your future will be at this time? Not really I mean uh, all I do now is concentrate on the last game and then I'm obviously going to play in the Euros that's going to be massive for me and my career and massive for for my country obviously it's the first time we've qualified for a, for a big tournament so 
I don't really want to think about my future. I just want to think about uh, doing well for for the last game and doing well for for my country in the Euros, and then uh, then we just see what happens after the Euros. Talk about the Euros. Um, have you collected yourself on a Panini sticker yet? No, somebody gave me a picture of myself the other day, <laughs> so I was happy with that. <laughs> yeah. And well, um, yeah, that will be a, a massive thing. So it's the first time your country's. Um, ever qualified and for, for such a small country I guess that, that's a pretty big thing yeah definitely I think it's the smallest country ever to qualify for a big tournament so that's obviously makes it special as well we are 320,000 who live in Iceland so uh, that's a special thing to to qualify for a, a big tournament and uh, yeah to be part of this is unbelievable and I'm really looking forward obviously to play play in the Euros not every footballer do have the chance does have the chance to play in the Euros and uh, I'll be one of them. And um, you've, you've been here at, at Charlton for two years now. What, what sort of club do you see Charlton as? What, what's it been like for you to play for the Addicts? Oh, it's been it's been really good. I mean, I don't think I can have a better club to to be playing for my first English club. Definitely brilliant first season. I thought was really good. I mean, we had some tough tough periods in 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 the first season as well, but we came through that really well. And uh, I thought we did really well my first season. Second season, obviously, as I said, we started off. Started off well, but then just didn't didn't go our way, and, and too many things went 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 wrong this season. So, but I think Charlton is a massive club and definitely should not be in, in League One. So, as I said before, they should definitely try to do a, a Wigan and, and bounce straight up. Hopefully, we'll be doing that. Johan, thank you for for coming to join us this evening. No problem. Charlton live. Right, well, delighted now for the, the second time in two days to be interviewing Nick, and <laughs> um, obviously um, uh, we, we picked you as our man of the match for yesterday, but um, t- tonight we'll, we'll be more about the, the season as a whole. First things first, you, you've won an award tonight, the Community Trust uh, Player of the Year. That's more yeah. for your work with the community, and I guess, um, as I'm sure you know, being a Cheltenham player, it's very important to be big in your community, and Cheltenham's such a community club, so it must be a real honour to, to come out on top in that one. Yeah, of course, obviously I've been at the club like five years now, so... You, you get to know obviously what the community means to the, to the club so it's a massive thing so to get given the awards are a real honour tonight and something that as a club we have to carry on in the future it's, it's a massive thing to, to be involved in so yeah a really proud moment to pick up that award now um, the, the season as a whole I mean Obviously, for everyone, it's, it's, it's been a big disappointment, and you know it, it must be quite strange to come to to sort of a celebration evening at the end of it. Yeah, of course, it's always going to be like that, but also a measure of the club uh, that we've got, and that the event like this can still go on. Like, obviously, it's been a massively disappointing season, but tonight it's it's obviously been about the future and next season and how we can push on really because. We know how much of a disappointment it's been this year. We've just got to think about next year now, and the the people in this room understand that. And it's it's been a, a more positive evening uh, than I expected, to be honest. If I'm if I'm truthful. And um, when when you look at your personal season as a whole, um, you, you started the season in goal, in goal with Henderson out. There was you know, some some hairy moments, but and then and then uh, you, you you had a spell out. You've you've come back in since since Henderson's been out again, and you know you've, if if you've had this form for forty six games, you would have been the player of the season because you've you've been excellent in the second half. Can you, can you put your finger on why and why it's been so good at this second half of the season? Yeah, some uh, less hairy moments, should we say? Um. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's as a young goalkeeper, just learning all the time, really. So I put it down to, obviously, feel like every time I've been out on loan, I've learned something new every time. I've been out on a lot of times, I've learned a lot of things. So, obviously, same when I, I first got thrown in at Charlton, 
to be honest, in, in the first team here, you learn things straight away that you didn't, didn't maybe understand or know before. Obviously, playing at Charlton is the first time playing at this level. Uh, so I just le- I just learned a lot, and maybe well, I, I didn't learn quick enough. Or I made some mistakes at the start, but as a goalkeeper, that's always going to happen. That will happen to me in the future, and that will happen to me until I retire. So that's just something like I, I realised, and just something you've got to learn to deal with. Really, I think it's just something as a goalkeeper, you've got to have a mechanism to deal with that sort of thing when you make mistakes and. Like, because it's going to happen it's inevitable you, you've just got to learn to deal with it and to respond to that and it builds you as a character the way and, 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 it, and it's proof in, in the way you have played in the second half of this season that I think you're getting there now you're almost the, the, the perfect goalkeeper now it seems you're coming out for crosses you can even head the ball it turns out these days <laughs> <laughs> not sure about perfect yeah but my, my heading's looking good I'll say uh, I thought my face was going to get scraped off but uh, yeah it, like I say it's, all, it's just all part of the game like you've You've got to learn a lot of different things. There are a lot of different techniques and skills to learn as a goalkeeper, and I'm I'm still learning now, and will forever be learning about being a goalkeeper. So that's that's just part of the game. We'll see. There are some things that I'd want, I still want to improve on, have improved on. Uh, that's that's just part of of being a goalkeeper in, in football. You've got to be thick-skinned and deal with criticism when it comes your way, as you do as a footballer in any position, especially. Obviously, as a goalkeeper, when you make a mistake, obviously it's going to cost you and cost your team. So that's something that I've, I've definitely learned from. You've, um, you've been out on loan in, in the lower leagues, so you know what, what League One's all about. Um, it's, it's going to be tough next year. There's, there's, no, there's no two ways about it, is there? Oh, yeah, 100%. Obviously, we, we got promoted on 101 points, but there's not no one in that squad that said that was an easy season. That wasn't. It was a hard, very, very hard season. Like, there's no doubt in any player's mind here that next year is going to be difficult. So we've just got to deal with that. We've got to deal with that. Like, there's no, there's no two ways about it. That no one in this squad thinking it's going to be a, a walk in the park in League One. It's not. So we'll be back ready for pre-season, 100. percent and the determination to put things right, especially for a player who's been at, been at the club for a while, knows what the club's about. You must, you, you must be so determined to, to put it right. Yeah, literally, I've literally seen the ups and downs in this club. So, yeah, hundred percent. Like, need to put it right, and there's a there's a will and a, a want in, and a desire in this club to do that, and within these players. So, yeah, that's that's definitely something the squad and as a, a squad as a whole we want to do. All right, Nick, thanks for joining us here on Charlton Live. Charlton Live. Delighted to be joined here on Charlton Live this evening by the organisers of, uh, of tonight's Player of the Year dinner, Jean Hewlin and Ian Wallace. Um, Jean, we'll start with you first, because also an award winner yourself this evening. You've, you've won the, the, the Fans Award. I mean, a, a surprise, it sounds like. Hmm, somewhat. Uh, there was a gentleman that was due to win it, and Ian was due to ring him and get all his details, etc. And when I heard a sort of description of what seemed to be female, I thought... Obviously, Ian's found out more about this fan than I obviously know. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, the, now, obviously, you're, you're, you're well known on the forum um, for quite an interesting username. Do you want to talk us through what, a, a, what your username is and B, how, how you ended up with that one? Well, for the, um, those who don't know, it's Fanny Fanakapan. 
And I did look it up once on Google, and I can't remember what it said, but it was something my old gran used to say. Um, oh, you sort of silly old fanny fanacapan. And it was just sort of stuck, and I just came out with it when, when I went on Charlton Live. And, and you must be particularly proud that the club have therefore signed a player with, with the surname Fanny oh, uh, in honour of you. Uh, yeah, I'm just overawed by it. I just can't say how much it means to me. <laughs> now, the, the, the pair of you, um, I mean, how, how many years have you been arranging the, the Player of the Year dinner now? This is the sixth year we've done it. And um, it's, I mean, from a personal point of view, I've, I've come as a fan and now we, we come to do the show. I've, I, I love coming to this, this play of the year dinner. Even in difficult times like this, it is su- it's such a good event. I have to thank you too, uh, personally, for, for running such a good event. Um, you, you must feel so proud of, of, of how well it goes. Yeah, we're very pleased with the way it went. I mean, this year was difficult for all the obvious reasons, both on and off the field, things haven't been great. So... There was quite a lot of resistance. A lot of people haven't come this year. Our numbers were down, which is only perhaps to be expected. But uh, we concentrated our efforts on the people who were coming. And I kept saying, you know, we've just got to make sure the people who come have a really good night. And, and I think they did. So and you, on that you, basis, it was a success. You mentioned at the, at the top of the evening why it was so important to, to continue the, the tradition. And, and as you said, it's, you know, we, we have to thank the players for, for, for what we can this season. Yeah. I think so. Um, I think... From my point of view, we're all victims of what's going on behind the scenes at the moment, and to me, the players are in that situation as well. And uh, I think they respected the fact that we continued with this event and that they had such a good reception, because I think, in, on the whole, they were quite nervous about the way they'd be received on the night. Yeah. And uh, looking forward to, I guess, as, as fans yourself, you know, we're, we're going into League One now, we're going into a difficult situation. Do you try and look for some sort of glimmer of hope somewhere I mean some of the players we've spoken to today sound very determined I mean I guess uh, Gene you've mentioned that there are issues behind the scenes but is there something you can cling on to yeah I mean we didn't ask any player any questions as to their future because I think on the whole they would be non-committal so you just don't ask those questions but I know there are players that we hope very fervently especially our own players they will stick with us for a bit longer, but we also appreciate the fact that they have their careers to think of and Division 1 isn't the place they want to be. And I presume their wages will also come into the equation as to whether they're given another contract or whatever. I think it's important that whatever is going to happen next season gets sorted out as early as possible. Um, if you think back to the year we got promotion under, under Chris Powell, we did our transfer signings very early in the summer and well before they went back to training virtually the entire squad was was you know in place it's easier said than done of course because you've got to negotiate with agents and all the rest of it but I do hope they're able to um, retain some of the better players some are going to go and I think we're all anticipating that but uh, I hope we keep some good ones and add to it and, and can really go out with us you know a team that can compete next season or more than compete a team that can win it mm. Uh, and I guess the one thing that always will be the, the constant here at Charlton is the supporters, and you two have uh, died in the wall, Charlton supporters, and uh, I guess that, that's, that's one thing that will never leave you. Well, I think I will always support this club, whatever division we end up in, but unfortunately there are some fans that feel differently, and I think that's the worry, that our support is starting to dwindle, people are boycotting games, and to me... Well, I just don't know where we go if we get to a point where crowds are so low that they start closing stands, etc. All I can say is I'll fight 
tooth and nail to keep this club alive and the spirit that we've had over the years. And I think uh, events like tonight are so important for the supporter base to to try and keep that spirit uh, alive. So thank you too for arranging and for coming over to speak to us here. Thank you. you. Charlton Live. So there we have it, all the, uh, the the players' interviews, and most importantly at the end, we had the interview with Gene and Ian there, who um, who run this event, and um, it's, uh, you know, they, people like Gene and Ian, they are the spirit of Charlton Athletic, aren't they? No question about it, and I think, uh, I think if you ask most of the people that came here uh, this evening, it was in support of Gene and Ian as much as anything else, because of the, uh, the effort and the work they put into to making this uh, a half-decent event. So yeah, so um, we hope you've uh, enjoyed tonight's special. We've had uh, plenty of players come to speak to us uh, here at the Player of the Year dinner on the, the night that Jordan Cousins has been crowned for the second year running the uh, Cholton Athletic uh, Player of the Year. I've been your host, Louis Mendes. Thanks for listening. I've been joined by Lewis Cat. Thanks for coming in, Lewis. No worries, Louis. And by Terry Smith. Thanks for coming in, Terry. We hope you've enjoyed the show. We'll be back uh, on Thursday for a big match preview and then next Sunday for our last show of the season. I hope you've enjoyed it. We'll, uh, we'll see you on Thursday. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.